0: Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Sybil. And I'm Clayton. And you're listening to Every Romcom, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously. This week on Every Romcom, we're continuing our high school movie series with another Netflix teen movie.
1: We'll discuss the genre of gay coming-of-age movies and coming-out narratives.
0: And we'll look at the work of writer-director Craig Johnson and a pair of promising young actors as we discuss the 2018 film Alex, strange love. <music> Hello,
2: Sybil. Hi, good morning to everyone who may or may not be here in the morning.
0: <laughs> yeah, how are you doing over there? You said it's pretty hot right now. Yeah, I'm in Vegas, coming from Vegas. It is eight
2: ten a.m. and 106 degrees, and I am melting.
0: Man, I feel like I shouldn't tell you what the temperature is in Wisconsin lest more people move here, but I'm... You no, know, I hear it was really nice. I have a friend in Chicago, and she said it's been a beautiful week, like 80 degrees. Yeah, other than like the occasional smoke from Canada, we're doing okay right now, but like... Yeah, only only cool people move here, please. Like, Sybil, you're allowed, but, like, no one else, okay? Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy on the West Coast. I'm good. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm excited to have you here. Sorry that you're dealing with all this heat, um, but it's a good time to talk about some teen movies and to watch some teen movies in the heat. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I'm super excited. We have a hot new guest today. Like, you can take that to mean hot as in he's really awesome, or hot as in he's physically hot. I don't know. Like, I haven't (laughs) met him in person, but he probably is. (laughs) I'm always making it awkward on the podcast, Clayton. Sorry. Same.
1: Same. It's fine. I like to see it.
0: So today we're introducing our guest Clayton from the podcast Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies. And he sent us a little um, autobio here and it says he is a queer podcaster from the Midwest. He loves all types of films. He has survived cancer twice, is a 3.5 year sober, which he says is the thing he is the most proud of. And one time he met Shania Twain while he was eating out. At an Italian restaurant, which is clearly the most important thing,
1: <laughs> uh, clearly
0: <laughs> And now he gets to do what he loves, which is talking about movies with as many people as possible. And thanks for like coming to talk about movies with us, Clayton. Welcome to every romcom.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to come talk about this with you.
0: I want to know first, like this is what I ask all podcasters who come on the show, like, what took you from like being a fan of movies to podcasting about them? Because it's like podcasting can be a hard life. So, what inspired you to like uh, make that?
1: <laughs> well, I had always been very kind of disdainful of podcasts. I was like, I don't want to sit and talk to people about, listen to people talking about stuff. That's boring. And a few years ago, during the pandemic, my co-host Sean introduced me to horror queers because they had done an episode on the ruins which is one of my favorite horror movies and they had also i think done one on sorority row and i was going to chicago to visit him and so we listened to them on the drive and i was like all right podcasts are kind of cool and so i started devouring podcasts and people even before i had started listening had always told us you guys should like you always talk about movies you should start a podcast And I thought podcasts were dumb, so I never really gave it much thought. And then we kind of tossed it around for a little while. And one day I was just like, fuck it, let's do it. And, you know, on podcasting being a hard life, if I had known it was this much work, I don't know if I would have done it. I I love it, but I had no idea, no idea how much work it would truly be. But I'm glad I made that jump.
0: Nice, nice. And um, let's see, when exactly, what year did you start yours again?
1: We started almost exactly a year ago. Our first episode went out um, the end of August 2022.
0: Yeah. Like for such a young podcast, I feel like you really have a strong voice. And like, even though you're not covering films in one genre, like, I don't know, like there's a great energy from your show. And I love also that you cover like a wide variety of genres. You cover like horror, you cover romance, you cover like, I think I've seen some dramas on there. Like, do you have a favorite movie genre? Like, or several favorites?
1: Mm, So I know a lot of podcasts and they say, you know, you're more successful if you go into the more niche you are, you know, like with doctors, the more niche you are, the more money you make. And I didn't want to be held down because I do love so many genres. It would have sucked to just be like, okay, I'm going to commit myself to horror, which would probably be the genre I gravitate to the most just for fun. I feel like I'm either horror, Disney or Oscar bait. And... (laughs) I just didn't want to be tied down to that, so I wanted to do like, let's maybe do 50% horror because that's both of our kind of favorite thing and then just mix everything up. And yeah, my favorite genre, I would say probably is horror, but I do do love a good good drama.
0: Nice. Yeah. Like uh, I've told people on the first episode of our show that I almost decided to start a horror podcast, but um I decided it would be too stressful. Like and so rom coms is where I landed instead, because that's my other favorite genre. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I am not big on a lot of romance and comedy as a general rule on their own, but I am such a softie for a romantic comedy. Even the shitty ones, I love them. Hallmark, Christmas time. Love it.
0: <laughs> Great. Okay, so I'm gonna fast forward. We usually ask this at the end of the interview, but like what are like uh two or three of like your favorite rom coms, would you say?
1: Oh, that is easy. You've got mail while you were sleeping, and oh man, that third spot.
2: <laughs>
1: oh I don't know. I'd probably just throw in sleepless in Seattle.
2: Oh yeah, of course.
0: The trifecta. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're, you're like a classic, like early 90s oh, rom-com yeah, person. I'm, an, persona, I'm right? a 90s kid,
1: so that's what speaks yeah. to me.
0: Yeah. So um, you really share a lot on your podcast. And what led me to like actually uh, uh, hearing of you was you did this episode on Wild in which you got really uh, personal, like about your journey um, with addiction. And also mm. you talked a little bit about cancer on that episode as well, if I recall. Um, I did.
1: It was a fun time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. like What led you to want to be so personal on your podcast? Like What led you to want to share on that level?
1: Well, I also struggle with depression really badly, and there's a lot of stigmas attached to mental health. So I've always tried to be really open about that aspect of my life, the good, the bad, the embarrassing, all of it, just to kind of raise awareness as much as I can in people I know. And then when I struggled with addiction and everything, that was something I was really embarrassed about. But I also think that it's very important, and there is such a stigma about that, and the way people treat you and look at you. And so I've tried to be open about that. I go to a lot of therapy, so I have relatively decent uh, um, self-awareness about things. And with the podcast, because I am really open, I didn't want to be fake on it, because I feel like that comes through and some things are important to talk about. So even when it was tough, like that episode, I was sweating like a pig by the end of Hmm. that. I was so like, (laughs) I was so drained, but I'm really glad I did it. So it's more just nothing to do with the podcast. I just try to live my life authentically like that. So
0: yeah, I really, I 100% respect that. Like, I really respect it. And I really recommend that our listeners go and listen to Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies, because it's a wonderful podcast where people are really sharing. And I, I have, you know, I've struggled with depression and anxiety as well. So I really respond to people being open about that as well. And um, so we don't end on a, so we don't end on like kind of like a serious note, though. I want to hear a little bit about this meeting with Shania Twain really quickly.
1: <laughs> so it actually just happened a few days ago. Uh, Last weekend, I was supposed to do something that night. I had an appointment that actually got moved, but it was my cousin's birthday. And so some of the family surprised him to go out to dinner at this Italian restaurant and I'm not even a big fan of Italian food, but I went because I love my cousin and while we were there, our waiter came out and was like, my boss just told me Shania Twain's going to be seated in my section. And I'm with all my super Christian family who don't have a fucking clue who Shania Twain even is. And I'm not even like a big country fan, but I mean, everybody grew up with Shania Twain and I was like, that's cool. And she ended up being seated like six feet away from where I was sitting. And I didn't take a picture of her or anything because who wants to be photographed eating Italian food? But um, yeah, yeah, she had a concert there the next day and was just out eating dinner. And I did say hi to her and introduce myself, but I was just like, this is super random and that's my shania <laughs> she twain story you
2: her- yourself yeah
1: <laughs> she um she was wearing a pink ball cap pulled down she was very much like incognito i would have no idea it was her if i hadn't been told that that's who was coming but yeah she looked great she was friendly good time
0: nice yeah no i think you know i'm surprised christians would not know who shania twain is it's like is she unChristian in some way
1: I, I mean, they're the type of Christian that they don't listen to any genre that's not like church music. So, oh, they're not thrown on the radio and hearing that don't impress me much. So, yeah. Well,
0: well, that don't impress me much. So I know it's <laughs> <Exactly>. really sad. It's <laughs> a bad joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so corny. I, to date, actually, Clayton. somebody I'm made
1: I. It was on Facebook, I think I posted when I was there. I was like, oh my God, Shania Twain's sitting six feet from me. And someone posted a GIF of her music video that just said that don't impress me much. Excellent GIF usage.
0: Well, I think it's cool. I think it's cool anyway. Well, Clayton, I really want people to listen to your podcast and discover you. And where can we find your podcast? And where, can you, where would you like to direct people to interact with you in the show?
1: So our podcast is pretty much everywhere you can get your podcast. And if you want to find the show on socials, we are everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky. Uh, Just search the pod. You'll find it. And I am mostly on Twitter until the bitter end at just happy to see you. Number two, letter C, letter U. Same on Letterboxd, Blue Sky. I'm on Instagram. You can find me anywhere. But Twitter is the best place to get in touch with me.
0: Okay. So yeah, again, listeners, men who like men who like movies, and I'll also put links to everything in our show notes. So check him out. And yeah, so excited to discuss movies with you today.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a fun time.
0: So before we get started discussing our movie, a few notes. First, as usual, there will be a spoiler free section at the beginning of the episode. And we will warn you when the spoilers are about to begin.
2: We'd also like to remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is Every Rom-Com Podcast and Blog. Our Instagram is at EveryRomCom. And our Twitter handle is
0: Pod. And as always, you can find the podcast at EveryRomCom.com. Send us feedback at FeedbackAtEveryRomCom.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, we now have a way for listeners, that's you,
2: to help support the show. If you appreciate what we do here, please visit our Buy Me A Coffee page at buymeacoffee.com slash everyromcom. You should do it. This takes effort and time, so
0: we love you for that. And now, let's listen to the trailer for Alex Love.
3: The Golgi apparatus. The most amazing thing about this is Alex true Love is going to have sex next
2: week. Huh? Hot sweaty intercourse of a sexual kind oh my name is alex true love
1: yes that's my real name i have a 4.0 gpa i'm student body president and i have a great girlfriend
3: you're coming with us to this party and you're gonna let your little constipated hair down and enjoy yourself
1: come on join the cool kids i think we're here to corrupt you alex
2: there you are i've been so i have a girlfriend I know. She's adorable. She is. There's this guy who I'm pretty sure has a crush on me, and I guess I'm not repulsed by the idea.
3: Look, it's a confusing time,
1: man. Everywhere you look, someone's omnisexual or transitioning. How did you, like, know you were gay? How do you know you're straight?
0: What's going on? I've been trying to de-virginize you for the past eight months, and you won't let me. It's
2: like Mad Max out here. Guys doing guys, girls doing girls, girls turning into guys, and doing girls that used
0: to do girls and guys. Ah!
3: I'm over
1: it, Adele. This whole thing, sex, love, I'm out.
0: Can someone please
1: explain modern high school boys to me? What are you so scared of? Love is strange.
0: All right. There's our trailer. I think that's one of the better ones um, we've heard on our show, in my opinion. Yeah.
2: I think that that trailer really tells you what this movie is about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Netflix knows their trailers. Like, yeah, They don't always know everything, but they know their trailers.
1: Yeah. They're decent at marketing sometimes, the things they want to market.
0: (laughs) Things they (laughs) want to market. (laughs) Yeah. Other things sort of slowly disappear.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Anyway. So Alex Strangelove premiered on April 14th, 2018 at the San Francisco International Film Festival, and then it had its Netflix release date on June 8th, 2018. It was written and directed by Craig Johnson, and it stars Daniel Doheny, Madeline Weinstein, Antonio Marziale, and Daniel Zolgadri. I'm not 100% sure about the pronunciation of Daniel Zolgadri. I couldn't find it, but I guess he was also in the movie Eighth Grade. I love eighth grade.
1: I still haven't seen eighth grade.
0: Oh, I love eighth grade. I've seen it so many times. I would highly I've heard recommend
1: it, it will break me.
2: It. it I don't think it will break you, but you definitely will like have feels. All right. So the basic premise for Alex Strange Love is this: this kid, Alex' true love, is a senior in high school. He's dating his best friend Claire, and they run a YouTube channel that also has like it's about like animals and stuff. It's it's a little weird how you how we know this, but it's important because it's how they're together. When Alex's friend finds out that he and Claire have never had sex, Alex starts to feel a lot of pressure, even from Claire, that they should, like, lose their virginity. Around the same time, Alex meets an older boy named Elliot at a high school party and begins to kind of hang out with him and, you know, has kind of feelings. When Alex begins to have this friendship with Elliot, he kind of grows confused About and starts to like wonder about his sexuality. Like, is he bi? Is he maybe just gay? He doesn't really know, but he's he's open to like discovery.
0: So, some interesting facts about Alex Strangelove. So, writer-director Craig Johnson told the It Gets Better project on YouTube. Alex Strangelove is largely autobiographical. It kind of charts my own personal story of sexual confusion in my teens and into my twenties but kind of condensed into one kid's senior year of high school. Johnson basically said he wanted to tell his own story of coming out as a classic high school sex comedy with aspects of both John Hughes movies and maybe like a Judd Apatow type of movie. He wrote the script quickly, but it was a 10 year journey to get it made. Um, Over the 10 years, Johnson rewrote the script to be more in line with high schoolers increasing openness around sexuality He told the movablefeast.com, quote, the most recent rewrite I did was one that really made Alex's school very open and progressive. There were queer kids, bi kids, trans kids. That wasn't the issue for him. The question for Alex was no longer, I can't come out because I'd be the only gay kid. It's like, I can be whatever I want. It's 2018. But that doesn't make it any easier. In some ways, it makes it more overwhelming. I'm paralyzed by choice. So what am I really into? End quote. Johnson told popbuzz.com that one of the reasons Alex Strangelove took so long to get made was that studios wanted him to add a teacher or parent character, which might attract a big name movie star. But Johnson felt the script was naturally about the world of teenagers. I found that really interesting because sometimes I wonder why there are these like really big teacher or parent characters in modern teen movies. And maybe it's not so much like a changing generational thing, but maybe it is this studio pressure. Have you noticed that? That there's like more...
1: I have, and they always feel so out of place. So I love that he said this because it kind of clears that up. Because I always wonder that every single time. It's like, this is about yeah. the kids. The parents aren't, and teachers aren't going to play that big of a role most of the time.
0: Yeah. It's like, I, I I like the wah, wah, wah parents of the peanuts, like sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> So Johnson also told The Movable Feast that he always envisioned the film as an R-rated film and resisted offers to make it as a PG-13 movie, saying, quote, I thought, no, it's about love and sex, and you can't talk about sex authentically if you're constrained by a PG-13 rating, end quote.
1: Damn straight. I was so shocked because I was just like, oh, this is a r- queer little rom-com. It's PG-13. I turned it on and they started swearing, and I was like, this is rated R. And then I got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah. rare.
2: It is. And I think one of the things that's interesting about that is that, I mean, I think teens of that age are R-rated. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. talking about the things. Oh, 100%. That are so the idea that like, we're going to pit pigeonhole it in this PG 13 land so that it becomes more accessible, I guess for, you know, technically people teens to, to be watching this is kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're going to get into this territory, this like very touchy territory. It just feels fake if people aren't using real language. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They always try to make things PG-13 to make more money and be more accessible. But R-rated movies, if people want to see them, you can go. There are ways for kids to go. Adults can take them yeah. and go with people. R-rated movies can yeah. make money, and they usually feel more authentic. Who lives a PG-13 life?
0: Quite frankly, I used to work in a movie theater and as long as kids weren't being total dicks, we often let them in. I mean, we weren't being paid enough to like be policing. <laughs> Seriously.
1: These <kids>. You know, <laughs> when I did get policed was when the Sex in the City movie came out. I was definitely old enough and I got carded twice going in buying my ticket and going into that movie because it shows a penis and God forbid anybody see one of those. <laughs>
2: Um, I think I have a I have a R-rated movie story from I mean way way back I'm I'm gonna age myself really heavily so my mom of course I was a Gen X kid my mom didn't care either she didn't notice anything but the one time I got I like got carded for a a movie was Navy Seals they're like oh (laughs) (laughs) we can't go see Navy Seals and I'm like what and they're like no no it's 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 2R we like usually we don't care but like that one's 2R I'm like for real? And so then I was like, I'm going to go
1: see it. Now Navy I really
2: want to see it. <laughs> right? And so I went and I was like, nothing happened. I was like, I don't even yeah. understand what the hell the problem was with Navy SEALs.
0: Yeah, I got stopped the third time I went to see Last of the Mohicans and this older woman just said I was with her. So there you go. <laughs>
1: That's a wonderful. You know, humanity isn't all bad. <laughs>
0: Anyway, I've just got one more interesting fact about the film, which is that um, in terms of the actors playing the um, gay love interests in the movie, Antonio Marziale is gay, but Daniel Doheny is straight, according to a video they did for the Them channel on YouTube. So we have like a gay straight actor uh, playing a gay relationship, which I think is pretty cool, actually. I think they did a good job, but I don't know. Opinions may vary.
1: I don't care if straight actors play gay roles. You know, trans roles, that's a little bit different. But as far as acting, it's actors. You're playing different characters. I don't think it has to be just gay men playing gay characters or vice versa. If you can play the part and do it well and give a great performance, who cares? Timothy Chalamet is straight, and he gave an amazing performance. Mm. Call Bear Name*. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great. I think they did a great job. Uh, when you read off that factoid, I was like, well, that tracks. I can see that. But I think he was very believable as a gay man.
0: Yeah, and I think like every gay man deserves like one day to see Chris Evans in a in a gay male love interest role. I'm just saying. Oh like, yeah,
1: my co-host would die. I would have to find somebody else.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love Chris Evans, so I think the world is—it's America's ass, right? There you go. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, when America's dick pic leaked it was a giant day for people everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes. This show is explicit folks. So like, I mean, we, we should, we warned you in the rating, but if you hadn't figured it out already, it probably will only get more so from here. So yeah, you've been no, warned. I bring that energy. I'm to. sorry. No, don't be sorry. I I'm fine with the energy. I'm fine with it. Yeah. So let's um let's talk about our general opinion of the movie. So basically like, let's talk about like, when did you first see the movie and what was your first impression? Is it something you've rewatched and what do you think about it now? And I almost feel like I should lead off, lead off, because I think it's possible that it might be both of your first times. Am I right or wrong That's about my that? My first time. This is okay. my first time. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead off then. So I saw Alex Strangelove Love um, right when it came out, probably because I think 2018 was a time when I was like watching basically everything that Netflix pushed out. Okay, <laughs> I think it was, it was a kind of sad time, and I was just like, is there a teen movie from Netflix? I will watch it. But I was like super like jazzed by this one because I think it's like way different than a lot of the Netflix teen movies in that, as you mentioned, like it is R, it is more explicit. It is the teenagers are talking in a very authentic way. And then also like I appreciate like a good um, gay teen romance. And at the time there had been some, but I think like between Love, Simon and Alex Strangelove is like 2018 is like kind of when the floodgates started to open, I think a little bit.
2: On Mm -hmm. the genre.
0: So it was quite refreshing. And then I found out that it was the same person who wrote and directed The Skeleton Twins. And I love The Skeleton Twins. So um, I'm just all in on this. Plus, like the main thing I love about this movie, Antonio Marziale, who plays Elliot, I feel like he should be a huge star. I really hope that happens for him because I think he has so much charisma. Love his character. He should be in the movie more. That is like my main complaint about the movie. There should be more Elliot. But in general, I'm a big fan of this film. I've watched it um, several other times. I think on this viewing, I was a little bit less floored by it, but I think it's because I've been watching fewer Netflix movies and I've been watching more classic movies. So I'm comparing it more to those than I am to the Netflix genre. But for for me, this is still tops of the Netflix teen movies, Um, one of the top ones. So yeah, that's my summary. I... I watched it because
2: literally my friend Jennifer here was like, um, I think you'll like this movie. You should do this podcast with me. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. She knows my taste pretty well. Um, and I will say that I, I really did enjoy it. It it hit me a little weird at times. And when you, you just read about inter- interesting facts that he tried to make it like a Judd Apatow, John Hughes. That's, I think, what kind of weirded me out at times. Because, like, we start the movie, and I'm not giving any spoilers here, but we start the movie where there's, like, these little, like, drawings and stuff, but then they don't continue through the mm. film. And then at time there'd be these huge, like 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 dry chatting things where they'd have conversations like almost like Kevin Smithy as well, Jeb Uptower, Ap- Kevin Smith. And then there'd be other times where it was just like very like light and like one-offs. And I was just like the the feel of the movie at times like did not cohese for me. It didn't stop my enjoyment. But as somebody who watches a lot of film, it was something that I did notice.
1: Yeah, I had no experience with this movie until watching it for this but i was aware of it when it came out and had wanted to see it i just never got around to it and didn't have time and then it just kind of fell to the side and i forgot it existed so when you reached out about this i was really excited i was like oh i'll finally get a chance to watch this because it looked really good and like we mentioned it has a really good trailer and i enjoyed it I sometimes think podcasting has ruined me a little bit for movies because you start to watch them in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I agree with what Sybil said. It is kind of odd tonally. And it definitely has some flaws, which I will get into. But I did really enjoy it. But it doesn't take a lot for me to enjoy a romantic comedy. But it's fun. It is. Again, I completely agree in the scope of Netflix films and Netflix romantic comedies it's up there in the scope of just you know movies in general it's all right but yeah it's a fun time
2: for teen coming of age stories I think it does a really good job especially of showing what it's more like it's more like now than like like these older films that you can go back to
1: yeah I still think and I mean this is just a YA thing these characters are always kind of impossibly quirky (laughs) that just kind of strikes me funny and just like people don't talk like this but I do like the heightened sense in movies when they do that but for a movie that's trying I was kind of surprised about it being such a personal story for the writer director because it just was like oh this feels like it was just written in a lab not based on a personal experience Hmm. because nobody is like this this was a hundred percent like this is a middle-aged man trying to write about how teenagers of today would speak. And I have talked to young people of today. and So I'm kind of glad they went with this dialogue rather than realistic teen dialogue.
2: (laughs) Gen Z is impossible to understand. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, I cannot get on TikTok. If Twitter goes down, I just can't do it. (laughs) I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. I just make grumpy old man noises and have retired at 34. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And slang is evolving so quickly these days too, though, that I think it would almost be a mistake to try to exactly ape whatever slang is current right now. Because I think the internet is just like sort of warp speeded the way slang comes in and out of culture. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Language evolving is just ridiculous.
0: So, yeah. So to use some slang, are you both saying that you find this movie to be mid- (laughs) i would not
2: say i'd I'd say it was mid but i would i would definitely say that um yeah because mid would make me never want to watch it again okay i I would have no problem watching this film again okay
1: yeah same i wouldn't say it was mid because mid is just really forgettable and this movie isn't i would just say it's good but it's definitely flawed
0: Okay, where are you both standing? I need to know where you both stand though on Ant- Antonio Marziale. Is it just me that finds Antonio Marziale to be perfect and charismatic and wonderful and he deserves everything or am I uh, alone here?
1: That man could break my heart and I would say thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think he did I think he did an incredible job. I'd be excited to see him in something else to know like, you know, how he does as, in a different role.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. He hasn't done a ton yet, so it's it's too bad. But And now we've got this writers and actors strike, which I 100% support, but it is going to delay things for a little while. So. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. But I hope
0: we see him down the line. Yeah. All right, let's get a little bit into the cast and crew. So first I'm going to talk about our writer-director, Craig Johnson. Uh, he's originally from Bellingham, Washington, a place I have lived before. Uh, he had an early background in theater and sketch comedy, And he moved to New York City to study film in 2002. And his first IMDb credits are as an assistant director on several short films. And his first feature credit for writing directing was True Adolescence, which was released in 2009. And it was his thesis project for film school, and it starred Mark Duplass. And I got to say, like, I haven't seen it yet. Just like the whole Mark Duplass mumblecore thing is not really my thing, but I probably will watch it it. eventually. (laughs) Oh, yeah?
3: (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) I see Mark Duplass on something and I'm just like all right this will probably be weird and fun
0: (laughs) okay we got a mumblecore fan in the house all right (laughs) all right no judgment no judgment it's just not my personal thing yeah
1: Um, it is definitely not for everyone but I enjoy it not all the time it's it's good in small doses (laughs)
0: So have you actually, have you seen True Adolescence or is that one? I have not, but looking
1: at this, I'm like, I need to add that to my watch list because it sounds like something I would like.
0: (laughs) Nice. Nice. So Johnson's second feature as a writer director was the Skeleton Twins in 2014, and that stars Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig. And I'm going to be talking about that later in the double feature recommendations because I like it a lot. So, yeah. And also before Alex Strangelove, uh, Johnson directed Wilson, which was written by Daniel Clowes based on his graphic novel, a TV movie called Mating, and an episode of the TV show Looking.
1: Looking was so good.
0: Yeah. I haven't seen that one.
1: It's good. It stars Jonathan Groff, and I love Jonathan Groff, and I'm going to marry him, and I'll forgive him that he's really good (laughs) friends with Leah Michelle. And Looking was great. Go watch it on HBO tell them to pay their writers and actors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Since Alex Strangelove, all of Johnson's work has been in TV directing, including on Gossip Girl and four episodes of the TV show Special, but he does have one movie in post-production. What that means right now, we don't know, but he's the director on The Parenting, a comedy horror movie starring Brian Cox, Edie Falco, Parker Posey, and Lisa Kudrow, among others. So oh, shut up I, and
1: take my money. <laughs> 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 Parker Posey huh. and a horror comedy with Edie Falco and Lisa Kudrow. I will watch this seven times in theaters.
0: <laughs> All right. So um, Craig Johnson is openly gay and he's married to TV writer, Adam Roberts since 2015. And Johnson told the, it gets better project channel my hope is to continue to make films with queer characters in them that aren't necessarily identified as only queer films. Like he said, he, he doesn't mind, like, you know, he certainly embraces being associated with queer films, but he also just wants his movies to be things that like, you know, aren't put in a side category that everybody goes to watch, which I can mm-hmm. certainly appreciate.
1: Yeah. Nobody wants to be pigeonholed like that.
2: No, yeah. absolutely not. All right. So let's move on to Daniel Dooney. Joni was born and raised in Vancouver, BC. He's Canadian. Hello. He studied theater in a professional training program after high school. He began his work in theater, performing in Shakespeare productions. He's also part of the Canadian sketch comedy troupe, Human Town. So you can go look up some YouTubes on that. His first IMDB credit is for writing and appearing in an indie movie, Heart, H-A-R-T, Attack, First Gear. That was in 2012. Before Alex Strangelove, Love, also appeared in shorts on TV and in the feature film Adventures in Public School with Judy Greer in twenty seventeen. Most of his work since Alex Strangelove has been in TV, but he's also appeared in the movies The Package and Drinkwater, which I saw Drinkwater. Oh yeah. Um yeah, I don't think I remember him in it at all because I saw it a bit ago, but it was it was actually pretty good. It wasn't like bad. Like I remember it being okay. So he was actually I the star the in that. So. It was
1: a very funny.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, yes. mean, I don't think I noticed him, but like as in like you know, like when you watch something you don't know the actor, but you just watch mm-hmm. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't mean, think I like realized it was him, but like I remember liking the film. Cool. cool. Yeah.
0: And, and you saw the package, Clayton?
1: Yes. It is a Netflix movie about these kids on a camping trip and one of them accidentally cuts off his penis and they have to <laughs> oh, get him and the penis back to, you know, a hospital by a certain amount of time. And it is a very, very funny. I would recommend it. Wow. It's a fun little that watch is fest. a concept. Yeah. Okay, it's I'm a here very for this. I'm go I was watch just it? like, this is really? either gonna be really bad or really great. And either way, it probably gonna be fun. And thankfully it was very good.
2: Definitely an immediate watch. That's not gonna happen. I hope everyone here is like, Yes, it's on Netflix. <laughs> you can go watch And it.
1: I mean, if you partake, get stoned, watch the package, you will have a wonderful time and laugh so hard your face hurts. There
2: you go. <laughs> Well, his TV work since Alex Strangelove has included the miniseries "Brand New Cherry Flavor" and the show "Day of the Dead." He's also done voice work for Ninjago and my little Pony Pony Life." Listen, those are very different, but like he's on that bo- he's on that voice train. Recently, <laughs> he appeared in six episodes of the TV show Lucky Hank.
0: That show actually looks really interesting. It's got the guy from Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul" in it, so I was like, I was interested in that, yeah.
1: Brand cherry flavor was good.
0: Yeah. That looks, I mean, it did look intriguing, but like sometimes I don't know, like with these, like, I think it was also Netflix, wasn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Or was it, or am I wrong? He's been yeah. really, really getting that Netflix check.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Know, whatever
1: little check they give their actors, mm. but yeah, he's been doing a lot of Netflix stuff. It looks like.
0: Yeah. A lot of these actors, like we covered another Netflix movie um, last time um, to all the boys I've loved before. A lot of these actors end up in this sort of Netflix loop. Like Noah Centineo from um, the last episode. So, I'm going to talk about Antonio Marziale. And he was born in London, England in 1997 to an Italian father and a Canadian mother. I mean, right there, you know, his, this is already a romance story, really. Right? Yeah. He then attended uh, school in Switzerland and entered Carnegie Mellon University at 16 years old. Who so. is this kid? Oh my God. Yep, yep. Um, his, first IMDb... <laughs> his first IMDb credit was for a short called Robinson in 2013 and some prominent work before Alex Strangelove included the web series, the gay and wondrous life of Caleb Gallo and the Netflix show altered carbon. And I did go and I watched the first episode of the gay and wondrous life of Caleb Gallo and it got me interested. So hopefully I will have time to like continue watching it at some point. Like they're like web series, like, seem to be more of a thing. And they're a thing I haven't explored that much. Same. And Marziale has only had a few projects since Alex Strangelove, sadly. But he did write, direct, and star in the 2022 short film Starfuckers, which was nominated for Best Short Film at the Sundance Film Festival and won Best Short at several other film festivals. And I actually, I went and watched that too. Like, it's definitely a bit avant-garde, but like, if you're into like, you know, queer queer shorts, and if you're into like drag performance like this, you should run, run, don't walk and find that online. Okay. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes. If I can find a good link. He recently appeared also in the short film fanatic, and he was set to appear in the Netflix show Grendel, but it was canceled by Netflix in fall 2022 and is listed as being in post-production. I don't know why they film an entire freaking show and then don't release it. This trend is just ridiculous.
1: Well, have you ever seen a little film called The Producers?
0: Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. Well, I mean, I do know, but I hate it. You know what I mean? Same. I, I just I feel like the resources that are wasted, the people's time that are wasted in this is just it's 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 obscene to me, actually, in a way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know.
2: And imagine like being how, the person who worked at that and then was like i guess it's never seen the light of day I'm so glad that i you know gave effort
1: and like the people yeah. whose stuff comes out and then the streamers are like yeah let's just take it down and delete it from existence we're not going to release it on streaming or physical media or V vod and it's just going to be gone and, and you can't uh, find it ever again i, mean, I know i started the, downloading all the tv hollywood and, like, accounting
2: because,
1: like, yeah is awful my big fat Greek wedding costs like 6 million to make and made 350 million or something and reported a 20 million dollar loss are you fucking kidding me
2: At Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings no, supposedly no. like like made oh, zero yeah, money and yeah
0: yeah things got to change we got to like things have got to change so um, and I think I'll put also in the show notes um, some ways that you can support the strike which is mainly I think donating to their fund so I'll put a link to that in the show notes too all right everybody yeah support support the SAG strike support SAG after strike and support the WGA strike everyone yeah right, and and just a final note about um, Marziale he says he's remained close with his Alex Strangelove co-stars and with writer director Craig Johnson so it sounds like it was a positive experience for everybody working on this movie all right so before we get into the main movie today i just really wanted to give a quick kind of overview of LGBTQ teen rom-coms and coming-of-age movies, like, in general. And I tried to do a bit of research on this to try to get a sense of the history. It was really hard to kind of um gra- to try to find, like, what are the first movies? Like, there were, like, movies here and there that either had, like, some maybe underground, like, queer messaging. Like, there was this movie Tea and Sympathy, but the, the moral of that one seemed to be that the kid wasn't really gay after all. So I'm like, that doesn't really count. Um, and there were a couple... There were a couple of weird ones where it was like this teacher and they this student who was really young. And I'm like, no, I'm not counting those either. <laughs> um, yeah. Some of the earliest examples I could find of just like straight, like straight up, like uh, gay teen romances where you are not alone which is a 1978 Danish film. I haven't seen it, but from the description, it sounded like pretty wholesome, like um, young teens, like meeting each other and falling in love kind of a thing, you know, leave it to the Danish to take care of this for us. And Mm. then of course, in 1987, we had Morris, which is based on the novel by gay author E.M. Forrester. And I've seen that one and it it does, the romance does take place more when he's older, but it does show him younger, like kind of um, developing feelings for other boys and just coming into awareness of his sexuality. So those are like some of the earliest examples and that's, you know, pretty far along in cinema history already. Do either of you know of anything else that's like predating that or from the eighties also? No, I'm really 80s.
1: bad at queer history because I'm a bad gay sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think a lot of stuff before that, especially in American cinema, was largely subtext
0: rather yeah, than yeah.
1: having an out-and-out queer storyline, yeah. especially depicted in any sort of positive light. Uh, really, yeah. up until some of the things you've got in the notes came along.
0: Yeah, and I'm not including things like with older people, like you know, in, right. in gay and in lesbian romances, because there's more of that, but like not much more, though, to be honest. So yeah. I think the nineties is kind of like when things started like uh, stirring up a little bit, we mm. had some like landmark uh, romances, my own private Idaho. Um, I don't, I've never, still never seen it. This is like it's a gap very in my viewing.
1: I have, okay. I have seen that one.
0: And then we've got some, you know, more straight up like um, romances, like in cheer, like cheerful movies, like the incredibly true adventures of two girls in love was 95 beautiful thing, which is, I believe a British film was 96 Um, 98, we have like edge of 17, show me love, get real. And then of course, everyone almost knows about, but I'm a cheerleader from 1999.
1: (laughs) Confession. I have still yet to see, but I'm a cheerleader, but I did just buy it a week or two ago. okay. So I could finally watch it, but I have never seen it and I'm so embarrassed.
2: (laughs) You are a bad queer. What? I know. uh, Right. No, but like, I think there's a lot of people who haven't seen who haven't seen it, but they all know about it. And I think that's one of the things is that it it really brought it brought like kind of que- like queer media to the forefront because so it became so much more mainstream than all those other films. Yeah, yeah for it sure. got a
0: lot of hype. It got a lot yeah. of hype at the time. Yeah, Yeah, which is good. And then like um, in the 2000s, some of the gay coming of age stories and romances, like there are a lot of them, but some that I like have seen or have heard good things about, Lost and Delirious, C-R-A-Z-Y, Blue is the Warmest Color, GBF, Geography Club, The Way He Looks, that's just of smattering. There was more and more. It was starting to, the snowball was starting to roll a little bit there. Yeah. And I think we have to mention too, the influence of Glee and the character of Kurt Hummel and his romance with Blaine. And that show was on from 2009 to 2015. I think Glee and Chris Colfer's character, Kurt, were huge in mainstreaming gay teens. I mean, do you agree with me, either of you, or?
1: So Kurt and Glee and the Ryan Murphy of it all, uh, I do think it was important that we had that character and somebody that was so out and flamboyantly gay in himself. But I also think the portrayal of Kurt wasn't always the best representation mm. and i feel like ryan murphy is the worst thing to come out of indiana and that is somewhere <laughs> that mike <laughs> Pence, uh originated so that's Ooh. saying a lot but oh that man wow. has done more to hurt the name of gay men than a lot of people
0: <laughs> don't wow. like i don't want to like go too far over onto this like a uh, topic but like can you tell a little bit about it like like what like specifically i'm interested in hearing like your take on ryan murphy basically
1: he just, you know, he came out of Indiana, poor gay boy, and has now taken over Hollywood and makes tons of money and cast the same five white men that he wants to have sex with and everything and takes stories that don't need to be made and makes them and is just kind of gross about stuff with no respect for anything. And, for instance, a very recent thing he did kept filming American horror story in production during the strike and then wanted Mm. to sue. He had like three things in production. So he wanted to sue the WGA because he couldn't film because it was inconveniencing him, even though he makes so much money in Hollywood. If anybody can afford to take a little cut for a while, it is Ryan Murphy and he's just a garbage human being. Although I do like a lot of the things he has made but a lot of it also is trash. I've gotten to the point if I see Ryan Murphy's attached to something, I'm just like, ugh, and don't even watch it.
0: All right, we've got no lack of strong opinions from you, Clayton, and I totally respect it. Like, I don't have a very strong, like, formed opinion on Ryan Murphy. I was kind of a fan of Kurt, though. I think that every character on Glee kind of had their character assassinated at some point because the people on that show <laughs> yes. just behaved horribly to each other. But I but I always loved Kurt until the end. I couldn't help it. And Blaine, oh, my God. And I, I thought they were so cute together. But, yeah. Well, and
2: one of the I things agree. I'll say about that I felt about Glee is I think Glee is not, like, I think it's like heightened reality. It's like the extra of the extra of the extra. And so I think that that, like maybe they weren't true, you know, they weren't true. They were more caricatures, right? So these are like heightened caricatures, but I think that's true for everything about Glee. Fair. Yeah.
0: Although I think it started a bit more authentically in season one, but before we start reviewing Glee, let's just say it had some <laughs> cultural impact. <laughs> agree. Just, agree. Just I will bit. definitely still agree that it has cultural impact. <laughs> All right. So I think Moonlight winning the Oscar in 2016 was another like big win for visibility of gay coming of age stories. And you'll notice um, Elliot has a Moonlight poster in his bedroom in this movie. Yes. I want to talk about his bedroom when we get to it. Because like, nice. I, I I paused a bunch of times. Oh, so cool. Get all the stuff. Yeah, I did not. So that'll be interesting. I would like to hear your um, ideas about the production design. Yeah.
1: I do have a thought about Moonlight. I think Moonlight is a beautiful film. I love it a lot. I harbored resentment for for that movie for a solid three years, though, for winning the best picture over La La Land.
3: Really? I've never
1: wanted something to win more than La La Land.
3: La La Land made me like
1: remember why I loved the movies. I was going through a huge depression when it came out, and I've never rooted for something so hard at the Academy Awards. And then they announced it at one best picture, and I was like, yes. And I went to the bathroom, came back, and it was like, actually, this is a mistaken moonlight one. And- I was in the depths of despair for a very long time, but I have since forgiven Moonlight. I do think it is wonderful, but I also think that in 20 years, La La Land will still be talked about and Moonlight won't.
2: Interesting. Oh, I think La La Land is trash, but you know, hey.
1: A lot of people feel that way. It's fine. We all have our own opinions. It just exactly, is very exactly. special but, to me.
2: <laughs> yes, which is important. And I mean, I think that Moonlight winning the Oscar was very political. Like people were like, we yes, need Yes, it was very
1: people. much. It felt like a political win. <laughs>
2: But but also black people and their gay. That's amazing. That's like a doubleheader front. Yeah. Two for the Oscars.
1: Add this on here. So Moonlight wins in 2016, right? And the movie that I think should have won the next year, Call Me by Your Name, Mm -hmm. obviously wasn't going to win because they're not going to be like, okay, let's award two queer movies, the Oscar, two years in a row. So I feel like Moonlight stole two best picture Oscars from me. And
0: Wait, what did? Also, no movie's gonna win for Call Me by Your Name. They're just never gonna award a movie where like there's somebody ejaculating into a peach. I'm sorry, like, I love not. that movie. Absolutely. I love that movie. Everything Everywhere All at movie. Once,
1: just one Best Picture, and there is a fight with dildo here. That's hands true. That's
0: true.
1: Butt plug. I don't know. And people like,
0: okay, you, but, uh, okay, you might be is, right. That's a
1: weird. That's a weird win. I think Everything Everywhere is a very weird win in Oscar history. I love it, but that's a weird win. So I agree
0: so after moonlight one and depressed clayton um in 2017 there was god's own country and call me by your name um also love call me by your name and then earlier in 2018 love simon was notable as the first mainstream studio romantic comedy about a gay teen romance and it was also praised for having a light tone in contrast to many darker gay coming-of-age stories and like I watched Love, Simon at the theater and I kind of liked it. But like for me, like it was almost too light, I have to say. Like we can, I don't know if we want to spend too much time talking about that. For me, like I like a little bit of the harder edges of life sometimes in movies. And I've talked about this like on our Heather's episode too. Um, When things get too cheerful, I start feeling like it's inauthentic in some way. But what do you, did that, was Love, Simon impactful for either of you or? Um,
2: I I saw Love, Simon in the theater as well. And actually when I left, I was like, well, that was... I'm like, well, that was a little fluffy. That, that literally, I think I said that. Like, well, that was a little fluffy. They, like to, I liked how much it had like this light airiness to it. But you know that there was a there, there were moments that should have been darker for him. Like, and so that what you said, I agree with.
1: I did not see Love Simon in theaters, but. I well, I enjoy it because it is light and fluffy and it's just kind of a feel good movie and a very idealized version of the way things could potentially play out for someone, I suppose. It does feel very inauthentic to the experience. I do think again it was important for the representation. I'm glad it exists. I do like it. Jennifer Garner is the mom of our dreams. But Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, There you go. There's a there's a there's a strong part for there was a strong part for a mom in that movie. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it also made use of her like it was she was like a good, like useful character. Mm-mm. Okay, so since Alex Strangelove, there have been a lot of further LGBTQ teen romances and coming of age stories, including Smart, The Half of It, Summer of 85, Dating Amber, uh, the TV show Heartstopper and many, many more. Um, Like there's just like, literally there's like an explosion, I feel like in like these recent years. And I'm going to put a link to sort of a Wikipedia listing that has a lot of coming of age stories. Unfortunately, it's not listed um, chronologically, but alphabetically. But if you want like a place to look for a list of things to see, there you go. Some of them were weird. Okay, mind you. So you might be better off with somebody's letterbox list, but there you go. (laughs) Do you have any, either of you have any general thoughts on sort of the evolution of the gay coming of age movie? Do you, either of you have any thoughts on that?
1: You know, there's good and bad. The genre sometimes can feel very messagey, which I don't love. I prefer a good story that can stand on its own feet without being like, this is capital I important. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more that comes out the more that there are opportunities to tell more authentic stories that don't fit into a neat little package that more represent the reality of things and more representation is never a bad thing so i like the like the direction it's taking even if i don't love every individual entry that comes out
0: i'll add on to what you said clayton i'll say like also i've noticed there's more foreign films um, coming from countries where you wouldn't necessarily expect to see gay coming-of-age stories like Um, Mm -hmm. so that's really a good development too. like, we're seeing more countries liberalizing and kind of growing up a little bit. So good, good signs are out there. All right. So let's get into the movie we're covering today. Let's get into Alex Strangelove itself. So we open with a montage of animals and talking about their behavior and then comparing them to high school students. What did you guys think of this, uh, gimmick? I thought it was an interesting way to start it.
2: Um, I was it, like pulled me in, but then like, we didn't really continue with it. So once again, it's one of those points that I was like, what? this, this is not, it didn't set a tone. Cause that's not the tone the film took.
1: I thought they were just doing mean girls. And I thought it was odd that they didn't stick with it, but I'm really glad they didn't because it was just kind of a really weird artistic choice, but I didn't hate it. It was kind of funny for a one-off joke at the beginning, but again, I agree. It didn't set up the tone properly. I don't think, because that's not the type of movie this is.
0: Yeah. I I felt like if they had taken even one of those characters that they introduced at the beginning, or maybe just all of them and in some way inserted them later in the movie, you know what I mean? It's like, if you're going to show us a bully, why isn't he showing up later at some point? You're going to show yeah, us this pretty girl. Is, show, show, yeah.
1: Everyone is very very supportive in this. No bullying.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, you could have you could have knocked this intro out and this movie would have gone on just as fine without it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's basically it's a lead in so that we know that Alex and Claire are friends and they host a YouTube show called Savage Kingdom High, which apparently their whole show shtick is about like talking about animals and then comparing them to students at their school.
1: Don't understand how that shows a hit, but that's all I have to say about
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. So we get an introduction to the characters. Our, our main character is Alex True Love. Like, I did once date a guy whose last name was Laycock, but I still find the name True Love just, like, completely. What do you, what do you think? I it's such Laycock, a YA though. name. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't see it happening.
2: Well, But it also plays well for the name of the movie, which mm-hmm. is Strangelove. Though I don't know why his name isn't just Strangelove. It would be fine if his name was
0: Alex Strangelove. Maybe that would be too evocative of Dr. Strangelove. I don't know. And we find out, we find out Alex True Love is a virgin and he meets Claire in a video production class and she has a similar interest in animals. And that's why they do their Savage Kingdom High. Their whole thing is they begin attending dances together in themed costumes. And then after, and then before one of the dances, when she finds out her mom is very sick with cancer, they kiss and then they start dating. And Alex says of her in narration, I think this could be the girl I'm going to marry. So any anything you want to say about their dynamic, this introduction?
1: Their couple costumes are disgusting and cute. I wish I had somebody to be that dorky with. Um, also, maybe when your girlfriend or best friend sad about her mom having cancer, don't try to kiss her. Seems like bad timing to me, but it worked out for them. So whatever.
0: I think sadness, you know, sometimes leads to things. Yeah. I, I think, I think she does try to kiss him first too in the scene. So she's feeling emotional. She needs some support. I don't know.
2: I so- I think that this, this shows that like the, int- the introduction to our our main characters, the introduction to this movie itself is so weirdly random to me. Like mm-hmm. when I looked back on it after I finished it, I was like, it could have been done so much differently. That it would just like make more sense. Like if we had just been like, um, even if it was just a like narration still where he's like, let me talk to you about Claire. And then you did like a montage of like who Claire is and how they met and blah, blah, blah. And you did just that. Mm. And then like, this is my school and then everything about the school. And then now it's me, right? Yeah, that that would have been better than it's such a weird intro to everything. And there's such all this random stuff. You're like, so why are we talking about cephalopods? And like <laughs> it, like it's not like it like I don't know. There's just so much of stuff when I look back, I was like, this movie starts out so weird. And yeah. it doesn't really find its heart until like twenty minutes
0: in. Hmm. See, I was drawn in right away. I will I will say that it totally it is all over the place, but yeah. Yeah. And yeah, what you're saying, cephalopods, that's why they become interested in each other because Claire's drawing a cephalopod and Alex correctly identifies it. So it's kind of their little quirky trait. Yeah. Why anyway, a protagonists
1: yeah, are always impossibly quirky.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. So we get to now to like the basic premise of the movie. Um Alex's friends find out that he hasn't lost his virginity yet. So Alex decides he needs to lose his virginity pronto. Um, Any comments about like this scene? So basically it starts out, his friends are talking about the craziest place they've had sex and Claire outs him as not having had sex yet.
2: So, uh, so first of all, for me, I was like right here, I was like, dude, if he doesn't have sex with you, nobody should be peer pressuring you into sex. And I don't think we live in a time where people peer pressure you to have sex anymore. But hmm. also, if he's not having sex with you, you should definitely think about how he feels about sex. Hmm. Especially
3: okay. with you.
1: Yeah. Uh, especially nowadays, I don't know if you've noticed this trend of the younger generation being a very anti-sex in a lot of ways and being like sex shit and being in movies and they aren't having sex like they used to and people are waiting a lot longer and stuff. So this rang really weird to me even for 2018.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think I honestly do think 2018 was even a little different than 2023, but like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. It was
1: already trending that direction though. Mm. Mm-hmm. As far as, you know, pressuring people into sex and like that didn't even really happen when I was a teenager and okay. The, okay. The early 2000s. So, but I mean, it's a, it's a good trope.
0: Yeah. Like, I think like nowadays, obviously people would be like, well, maybe he's demisexual, although they've known each other a long time, or maybe he's asexual and there wouldn't be this like, oh, you must have sex or you are this or that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. So the guy friends though, in this movie, when they find out he's still a virgin joke that either his dick has fallen off or that he's gay. And, um, Alex is like noticeably very like defensive and anxious as soon as they say he's gay. And Alex says, which is it? Am I gay or did my dick fall off? Which is a good point. It's like, um, it's like, those are very opposite things. And like, I think it's interesting, like at least the role that like having sex used to have in determining somebody's masculinity. It used to be like this big deal. Like we did a whole episode once bitten about, um, like these movies about virginity loss and like the expectations on guys and like how there were so many of these in the eighties, like you're, you're already saying Clayton that you don't relate to this. This is an experience you had, like people pressuring you to have sex in any way. Was it like right. the opposite more? Were you, were you like in a Christian school or a public school? Or well, like- okay.
1: So I, I did, I went to a very conservative Christian school all the way through high school. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously people still had sex and stuff, just not super openly. But I did not have that experience at all. And even once I got more out into the world, I guess you could say that wasn't something I ever really witnessed.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I wonder if there even is an age nowadays where people would be stigmatized for not having sex. You know, like, would the 40-year-old virgin even be something that people would now, like, laugh at? I don't know. We live in a different
2: age of sexuality where
0: people are like, some people are asexual. Some people just
2: wait a long time. Some people see sex in a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we've really evolved. And I think a lot of that is the millennial and Gen Z's generations where they have that access to everything. Mm -hmm. And they've been able to actually talk about their feelings and what they want. And they like, have like this whole like scale and it's okay. It's not as taboo, I think.
0: So I think it's interesting because I think it might be a combination of on one hand evolving, but I think on another hand, Um, I, I honestly do think that maybe the ability to access like really hardcore pornography when you're 12 might actually like freak people out to the degree that they're like avoiding sex for a while. Cause like, I remember like even being freaked out a little bit at 11 or 12 when I heard kind of like dirty song lyrics or something that were like objectifying women. And like, I'm not a prude, you know, this about me, Sybil, but like at that age, that was like kind of traumatizing to me a little bit. And, like, I think, like, there are plenty of kids who are seeing things much more hardcore at that same age. And I'm wondering if that's having also some kind of, like, maybe, I don't know if trauma is too strong a word, but, like, maybe just, like, some kind of feeling of, like, is that what sex is? Because I don't know if I want a part of that. So I think on the one hand, there is an evolution of people being, like, you can be a full person, you know, no matter where you are in a sexuality spectrum. But I wonder if there's also a concurrent, like, sex is being portrayed as something much more. Objectifying or much more cold or distanced in some way. I don't know. What do you, do you have opinions about that, either of you?
2: I think access
0: to the internet and
2: availability of everything definitely affects it. I don't know if I'd say that people get traumatized, but I mean, it's very possible.
1: Yeah. I think people both grow up really fast now with so much access to everything and at the same time are almost infantilized a little bit, if that makes sense, because everything is so there's labels for everything and everybody's always trying to figure out exactly where everything mm. fits in. And it just just turned it all into almost like a scientific thing or what you think people want, or it would make you cool if you were this versus this.
0: Or like, it can also, I think be an intellectual exercise before people are sort of really feeling those feelings organically too. Could be a yes. thing that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's re- I feel like it would be really challenging. Like, in some ways, it's very freeing to grow up in today's sexual environment. And in other ways, I think it could be quite challenging in ways that it wasn't in the 90s. And also to grow up online, I just can't even imagine.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: I mean, I think the best line in this movie is the one where, and it's even in the kind of trailer with the one where he's, his friend's like, um, there's, you know, there's boy girl, girl boy, where he like discusses all the different ways that you can be with somebody. And I'm like, That was the most true line in this entire movie for me.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that part. There's a lot to unpack on that. Yeah. So like now that Alex feels this pressure, I'm going to move on a little bit in the plot. So now that Alex feels this pressure to have sex, he goes to Claire and tells her that they should have sex. And then, oh my God, he starts trying to talk dirty to her. And it's terrible. He's like, I'm going to sex you so good. You won't know what time it is. I'm going to sex you like a tornado on fire. And I'm like, dude, if some dude said that to me, like I would, I would like... I would know something was wrong.
2: <laughs> I would immediately be like this guy does not want to have sex. He doesn't want to have sex with me at least and maybe we're just friends and that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, his dirty uh, talk is just horrible.
1: <laughs> I loved it. It would it, it's awful, but it was very funny and he actually reminds me a lot of this guy I was so in love with in college oh. who later, of course, after my chance had passed, ended up coming out as gay and is now happily married. With a little dog and they're very happy and I'm very happy for them, but I could see him trying to be sexy or something and saying that. And Mm. so I do know people that are this level of awkward. Yeah, (laughs) very fun to see
0: and then we see this other scene where alex is pretending to do sexual things like to make to seduce his like stuffed monkey or whatever and he uses quite explicit language in this scene he's talking about i'm gonna put my hard cock in your wet pussy to his like monkey stuffed animal (laughs) i'm like "Uh." i mean that shit happens let's let's face it yeah uh and then i've not personally
1: done this but yes
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's not like he actually has sex with the stuffed animal, although I'm sure many people have also done that. But like, uh, he's just, he's talking dirty to the stuffed animal. So there yeah. you go. So when, one of the
2: things I thought was interesting is that, the, once again, this is like how the movie is made that I felt was like, I'm like, nothing, not enough of it pays off. So his mom walks down the stairs where he's having this conversation with his bear mm. or whatever. And oh, it's a monkey. It's a monkey. It's a monkey, right? And you can't really tell, like, is his mom like, I 100% heard everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> because i asked who you were talking to so i know yeah. all the words you just said so you're being creepy and weird right or is she just like why do you why are you sitting with that monkey and talking to yourself so you can't tell like did she actually hear what he said or she, she's like is he talking to himself and then which of those is actually more weird for her to see
0: yeah yeah
2: I thing. gotcha. Like it didn't pay off for me. And it, like, it could have been such a fun scene.
0: Yeah. I felt like they were almost trying to develop Alex's parents more. And like, you get hints of what his parents must be like, but you don't really get a full resolution of that at any point. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. yeah. It's almost like they shouldn't have been there at all because there was no point for them to be there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My headcanon is that she totally heard everything he said and is going to go laugh about it very hard after she exits <laughs> stage left.
2: She doesn't yeah, look i want to be there i'm I'm watching that film because i thought it'd be way more interesting but then she didn't like the, the actress like didn't play it off and she looked like more weird yeah weirded out yeah. and like that was hysterical
0: yeah honestly his her mom his mom struck me as someone who was almost like emotionally abused or very passive with a controlling husband like that was like the vo- vibe i was getting the whole time mm, and i'm like is this supposed is to be like this? <laughs> yeah Eh. Anyway, we don't really find out, though, not really. All right, so let's get to my favorite scene. My favorite scene is the many happenings at the drama party. I don't know if anyone else also loves the drama party, but I do. <laughs> I
1: did love the drama party.
0: The main events at this drama party are um, Alex meets Elliot, so that's the most important thing. But then there's a hilarious subplot where his friend Dell licks a psychotropic toad and has a bad trip, which is humorous. I feel like I should put in here. That when I looked up the type of toad they were talking about in the movie, all the articles were just about how you should not lick a toad and it could cause death. Um, I could not find records on how many people have actually died from licking bad toads, but apparently it can cause problems with your heart and seizures. So please do not lick a toad. Okay, that's my public service announcement. And And I mean that very sincerely. Please do not lick a toad. It's not good for the toad either. So.
2: Right. Which is Alex is like don't lick the toad and they're like I'm licking the toad. I also did like how they sh- I thought it was a fairly like decent way to show that like teens are stupid, right? <laughs> uh, teen, teens are like this scenario era where teens are stupid. They'll do all kinds of crazy stuff and he he looks so ill the entire time. Yeah. He's tripping out. That I I appreciated the fact that they're like the messaging is this, please don't lick toads.
0: Yeah. 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 Craig Johnson said he wanted to include like a gross out gag in his movie, So he researched psychotropic toads and he thought it would go with the nature theme of their YouTube show, which I, I can kind of see that. Um, I don't actually know if the Guyana banana leaf toad is a real thing because I was only using the internet and I couldn't find any direct hits for that title. So maybe he made up a fake toad so people wouldn't try to order the exact same toad. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so the scene cuts back and forth between the Alex storyline and the Dell storyline. Dell's side, some of the things we see we see a singing garden hose. Um, <laughs> And then this is my favorite part. He gets drawn into a drama club game called Soundball, which I have played (laughs) because I used to I used to direct theater. So I've played this game. It's like you throw a fake ball at people and you make a noise that represents what you think the ball's noise would be. (laughs) I can tell you guys like this scene as well.
2: I, I loved this section. Also, I was a drama nerd and I've never done any. I'm like, I have not heard of any of this and I haven't done it. And I had to go look it up to see if it was real or if it was just made up for this.
0: You know, I've played it. So I don't know if they call it Soundball or not, but 100% I've played this game.
1: I've not ever played it, but I've seen it played multiple times. And I thought this scene was so funny. I mean, everything with Dell in this drama party was hysterical. Also, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if somebody's going to lick a toad, that's natural selection. That is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I don't care how fun the trip is, but all of his stuff was just so funny. And I really, really enjoy when things gently, lovingly poke fun at drama slash theater kids, because it's usually very true and done from people that know <laughs> that uh, community well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in the game of soundballs too, specifically, like Del, like, first of all, he doesn't want to play this. He doesn't want to go to the drama party. He's weirded out as soon as the person opens the door and is like, come in from like cabaret. Like Del doesn't want to be there then he gets drawn into this game of sound ball sound ball when he's totally tripping and then he starts seeing the ball turn into things like a ball of fire and then a skeleton and then there's this scene of him just freaking out, like having this existential crisis with this. And then you see the theater kids' perspective of what he's actually doing, like where it looks like he's just holding nothing and, and having this total meltdown. And they're like, what is the line they said? Um, one of the per- people said, um, God, was he in Pippin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they go, <laughs> God is good. Was he in Pippin?
1: <laughs> I laughed so hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That might be, yeah, that might be my favorite laugh in the movie, actually, quite frankly. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it is amazing. Um, yeah, any more about Dell's trip that you want to talk about before the end of the trip? We'll talk about the climactic end of the trip later.
1: Uh, no, really, my main point of it was it was just all very funny. And the he and Pippin, just gold, <laughs> absolutely gold.
2: I would have been happier if this movie had started here. Oh, okay. And- we had learned th- things about all the characters whilst in this party. All so right, like, oh, this is one of the strongest points, mm-hmm. and so this is where I actually was like, "Now I'm in." And if you think about it, this is a point where like everything was happening, right? We meet Elliot, which is what this is kind of about. You know, you could have done so much if you just started right here.
0: Hmm, I like that. That's a promising idea. Yeah,
1: I agree. A completely.
0: So Alex is looking for a bathroom when he finds Elliot and his friend Gretchen getting ready to smoke pot. And they tell him to close the door and come in. And um, Elliot says a line to Alex. I think we're here to corrupt you, Alex. And I'm like, that's a, it's a great line. Um, It's a (laughs)
1: wonderful line.
0: (laughs) We find out um, from Gretchen, basically that Elliot is gay and she says, it's too bad. He's not bi or poly. um, So she could date him. And Okay, like I have a real quibble with this cuz I am poly and it's like being poly does not change your sexual orientation. No. I'm sorry. It doesn't mean I'm going to sleep with like every person, right? Like it just means that like I might they, want uh, to date more than one person at once. It doesn't mean like I'm going to change my preferences. So it's really I will weird.
1: say they do make that comment later on the subject of being poly that the kids don't know what the fuck it means. So
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cuz <'Cause Gretchen, laughs> Yeah, because Alex like, what is Polly? And Gretchen says some new thing kids at our school are experimenting with. And I'm like, no, bitch. Like this shit was around in the '90s. It was around in the '80s when she's got to have it came out. It was only called Polly in the '90s, but like, it's not new. Okay, <laughs> it's new to you. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 funny. It is. I think Craig Johnson is playing with the idea that these kids don't know what they're talking about with this particular idea. So, but it is a little weird. It kind of might perpetuate the idea that if you're Polly, you're just going to sleep with everybody. (laughs) Right. All right, and let's see. And Gretchen clearly wants to have a relationship with Elliot too. So, yeah, that's uh, it's not going to happen for you, sweetie. It's just you got to move on there a little bit. She is friend.
1: Can you blame her?
0: I I can't. But but this seems this is this seems
2: so real to me as somebody who like I did not want to have sex with my gay best friend in high school, but like. I was, I was, I was his beard and I hung around this group and there was always at least one chick who was, like, super in love with her gay mm-hmm. best friend, wanted to have sex with him, and felt that it was gonna, ch- it, she could change him, right? If this was, it's gonna be different between them. They, she just knew it. And so, like, I I felt this very deeply. and like, this is, the, this is a very realistic relationship. Also, the fact that I feel like he's living with her family, that her family's mm-hmm. super cool about it. Like, you know, they are, they are more, like, brother and sister at this point but she's still like he's amazing
0: yeah yeah i mean it, i do feel it's realistic but i feel i feel bad for gretchen i'm like gretchen you got it. let's get out there and mix around a little bit yeah she'll
1: she'll learn at one point but yeah there are some girls that just have a period where they fall in love with guys that don't want them that way
0: yeah so this we we move on to alex and elliot kind of talking together on the bed getting to know each other Alex talks about his favorite animals. He talks about his goals. It turns out he has a a goal he tells everyone, which is marine biologist, and then his real goal, which is a National Geographic photographer. I think that's actually kind of a nice contrast with like he's got his secret self and the self he presents on two different levels. There.
2: Yeah, and um, they're they're vibing. They're vibing so hard. Mm-hmm.
0: The chemistry. You're like,
2: this entire scene, once again, the the rest, before this part of the movie, I was like, okay, whatever. And then I'm like, I'm 100% it. I'm getting my popcorn. I'm sitting down. I'm here for this.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Up until this introduction of Elliot and their insane chemistry on this bed, I was just like, oh, these late night stone talks with a crush laying on a bed. This takes me back. This is so honest they are nailing this dynamic and I am here for it. And this is also the moment that I was just like in for this story.
0: Yeah. They do really good body language in this scene. Like there's a specific thing that you're supposed to look for when somebody wants to kiss you, where they look at your eyes, then they look down at your lips and they look at your eyes again. They both did that. So mm-hmm. I noticed this stuff in movies. Cause like, I specifically noticed that in the movie single all the way, like they didn't do that so much. And I think it's one of the things that made the chemistry in that not as good. Um, they weren't doing the body language you're supposed to do that apes like chemistry. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. A good sign of chemistry is if I'm wanting to yell at the screen, like just kiss, which I <laughs> did multiple times throughout this movie. So they had the chemistry thing down.
2: Yeah. I definitely squeed a lot. I was like, ah, like, like a bunch at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Claire comes in now while this chemistry is happening, and Alex introduces her as my friend Claire. Oof.
1: <laughs> he is lucky she was drunk.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But also, like
2: Claire, you could tell like the actress did a great job. You could tell that she was like she noticed that something was like mm. off. Like she's like, what's going on between these two people? I feel that Claire had uh, there was a huge disservice done to Claire that she seemed like so dumb. She should have the whole time, and like I was pretty sure you were gay.
0: Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I like. I I think she
1: was smarter than that.
0: So, so here, here, I'll put this in. So I did date a guy who later came out as gay and I dated him for like two and a half years and he told me he was bi. And so like, I, at the time, like believed it because I like on the one hand, of course I wanted to believe it, but on the other hand, it's like, I want to take people at face value and not stereotype them based on like some kind of behavior. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. like, we did have sex. Like he didn't, he wasn't as into it as I was for sure. Um, but I didn't see it as a red flag. I was just saying, well, this is a spectrum of sexuality. So in my very progressiveness, like I was like sort of blinded to like something thing that was going on, maybe. So and he had another girlfriend after me, too. So it's, he didn't come out till quite a while later, actually. So, yeah, I think I can see how you believe what somebody's telling you if you trust them and they're so close to you.
2: All right. I appreciate your perspective on that. I feel... Bad that Claire seemed not even aware that maybe something was going because, hmm. like, she she is not reading any of the the, the clues. Right? Hmm. She's she's, yeah. not, she's not really reading into them.
0: Yeah. So Claire and Alex then end up leaving the room together. Um, Claire's really drunk, and she tries to seduce Alex in the bathroom. And now we have the worlds collide because Dell has been in a pantry gobbling up talking gummy worms <laughs> okay I, I have a question for everyone while he's doing this gummy, first of all the actor who did this he did
2: such an amazing job <laughs> the thing is so real to me like if I'd walked in on that I'd been like that guy is high out of his mind mm-hmm. right like he 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 did it for me but like as I watched I was like oh this is only gonna end badly yeah oh, so badly
1: yeah. Yeah. About yeah the fifth handful of gummy worms I was like oh honey stop No.
2: (laughs) I'm not going to say a handful. Mouthful. Like, can't even keep him in his mouth mouthfuls.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, we can imagine what happens. Del comes into the bathroom and in the bathtub, uh, Claire's trying to, like, have sex with Alex. And Del shows up and spews gummy worms all over them. Spews half-digested gummy worms. And I hate (laughs) vomit scenes, but this was actually a little more tolerable than usual because most of those gummy worms were not even close to being digested yet.
2: Also yeah. as 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 uh, Alex says it was it's surprisingly pretty.
1: Yeah. Strangely beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. I also really want to shout out Claire's wonderful seduction technique of get in the tub bitch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well it would work for some people. I'll say that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes ma'am. <laughs>
0: All right, um, yeah, and so they all go back to Claire's house. Dell is still tripping outside on the lawn, like, be quiet, shut up, garden gnome. It's like night or something. <laughs> and in the morning, we see um, Elliot or we see Alex texting, and it turns out Elliot has invited him to a show in Brooklyn. So, anything else we want to wrap up about the drama party or before the show in Brooklyn before we move on?
1: Uh, I just want to add high school parties and movies are so much cooler than real life. And I did not mm. know that until a very long time. and always felt like I was missing out.
0: That's true. Very true. All right. So we now move on to the Alex and Elliot date, but not date. So like, this is like such a date vibe. Like um, they're, they're going to this concert in Brooklyn. Yeah. But it's also not a date technically. So yeah. One thing that's notable about this is that I don't actually know how to pronounce this band. So if I do it wrong, is it Muna or, Is it different than that? Do you guys know?
1: I do not know. Nobody knows music.
0: Okay. Yeah. Me too. Unfortunately. So like there's an appearance though, by a band Muna M U N A, and they make an appearance as themselves in the movie performing. I know a place. And I've heard that song before. So like, I was proud of myself for that. And apparently it's become a gay anthem and it was written about finding a safe place Within an LGBTQ dance club, well, I'll say queer. I still, I'm, I'm Gen X, so I still have a hard time with queer because, like, it was used as like a you know, gay-bashing word when I was growing mm. up. So, yeah. So it's about finding a place within a queer dance club, and so that's a very popular song. And so I think it's a pretty big deal that it appeared in this movie and the band appeared as themselves. Yeah. Do you all do you all know this song? Had you heard it before? I, I don't not know. I'm really
1: bad at music. I could tell you yeah. what random background character actor in episode 37 of Friends that I've seen and, <laughs> you know, something else in years previous, but I can be like, oh my God, I love this song. And five minutes later, I cannot tell you what the song was, who sang Fair it. Fair enough. Pandora is my best friend, remembering my likes. I agree. You know, I wish agree. I could make it stick. I just can't. So I don't Fair know enough. if I've heard it, but I did like the song. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And at the concert, Alex also sees men making out on the dance floor. You get the feeling this is maybe the first time he's ever seen this, maybe. And when I looked, when I watched this last time, the men that are making out look a lot like an older version of him and Elliot. There's like one with like super curly hair. You notice this, Sybil?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's totally like this is their adult version. Like this is who they are. Like they're 30 years
1: Totally miss that detail because sometimes I'm remarkably like it's honestly impressive how unobservant I am about some things. I hope I never get questioned by the police about what someone's wearing or what they look like. Um, but during the scene, particularly I was trying to look at this, how I would have felt seeing this film as a teenager and not as watching it as someone in their thirties when stuff like this is really out and what it might have done for my self esteem and psyche and how I viewed myself. And, it was really powerful just like the look on his face seeing men kissing just out in the open and you could just see him like imagining what that would be like and it was just really cool i it was just you know a little shot but i liked that it was in there and really represented something relatable and true to the queer experience
0: nice very nice yeah I was touched by it, that moment too. Like I felt like, I felt like that he was feeling something very profound at that time. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious of why
2: Elliot asked him out. Like I, I would have liked to have known a little bit more Elliot's character. I wish had been fleshed out a little bit more because He is this person who's like, he knows himself, like know thyself, right? Whereas Alex does not know thyself. He's like hiding. And so does Elliot see him as a person that like maybe Elliot was Alex at one point in time and Mm. he had somebody who was like himself Hmm. who helped him find the way? Or is he just like, he's cute. Totally. We're going to like, we're vibing, like totally he's gay and he's just not like out yet. Because I I have to know that many of the people you know, when they were, you know, younger. And if they, if they tried to date somebody who wasn't like, didn't seem to know themselves, they'd be like, I don't touch that. Those people Mm. are like, they can't, they're, you know, they're toxic.
1: I have thoughts on this comment. Um, I could a hundred percent explain why Elliot asked Alex out because I have met Elliot in my life. Uh I have been Elliot a time or two and sometimes there's just a chemistry with somebody that you don't necessarily understand. And even if it's like okay they're straight and they have a girlfriend but like clearly there's something there. We connect on a level. And yeah. it's really hard to not pursue that on some way especially when you're young and stupid. And it's not like it's a lack of respect. Thing or anything, it's just like they very clearly had a palpable connection, and Mm. of course you're gonna hit that person up and be like, okay, it's not a date, but like I really want to spend time with you, so it's totally a date, but we can say it's not, so neither of us feel guilty about it, and we'll see where it goes.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, no, that's kind of how I interpreted it, more or less. Yeah, that the chemistry was so real that like, just like let's let's try it, let's find out what happens. And like, Alex is definitely kind of exploring the edges of this, like, kind of like, how did you know you were gay and talk and opening up to Elliot about his worries about having sex. And I love when Elliot's just like, uh, when you're in the moment, things just fall into place. And then saying that that's how he knew he was gay, because it it happened with guys and not girls. And I was like, yeah, like, if you're in. If you're like with someone who's like right for you, a lot of times you don't have to think about so much about sex. At least that has also been my experience.
1: I agree completely. Things I I wrote in my notes, I was like, things do just fall into place. And I wish I had had the self-awareness and, you know, whatever about myself at that time in life to just figure it out because I'm pretty sure I was the last person to realize I was gay. And yeah. Yeah, uh, that's another thing with just how people are about sex and everything. And just, you know, when something's there, it's there, and it just happens. And it's like, does that just not happen for people anymore? Does magic not exist? I don't know. Is romance dead? We'll see.
2: I hope not. Is romance dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: like, I just, just the other night, I randomly just somebody kissed me out at a bonfire, and it was just as hot as I was. Sixteen years old, and a cute boy would come up and try to kiss me, and so the fact that that seems to largely be missing from culture anymore, I just find really sad. So I like when movies have it in there, and it feels true.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's so much chemistry on this date. Like their discussions, and then there's this like moment where they're like play fighting with each other, and like you're that was a just kiss moment. You're like, come on. I
1: I, I did. I have that in my notes right there. Just <laughs> a kiss with a lot of exclamation points. <laughs>
0: and then we like and then we move on to like a scene in the car in front of Alex's house like the place where you traditionally kiss at the end of the date and we have this dusty springfield song um no easy way down and elliot puts his finger on and alex's lips and's like don't ruin the song like stop talking basically um I, that was another moment where i was just like whoa mhm yeah nipples
1: are getting hard just thinking about it it was a <laughs> wonderful very relatable scene do your hands just get super sweaty when someone's like, you want them to kiss you, but like maybe you shouldn't, and then you don't know what's going to happen, and you're just like sitting there and are just awkwardly waiting to get out of the car? I hope that never <laughs> I, goes away.
0: Nice. Yeah, I wanted to mention briefly, too, about this song. So Craig Johnson said the song No Easy Way Down by Dusty Springfield was a key music cue for him because he he thinks it's the sexiest song I've ever heard. And it's also important to note, we talked about this a little bit on our My Best Friend's Wedding episode, that Springfield herself um, was either a lesbian or maybe bisexual based on available information. Um, In a 1970 interview with the Evening Standard, she said, I know I'm perfectly capable of being swayed by a girl as by a boy. More and more people feel that way. And I don't see why I shouldn't. And she had um, many relationships with women. So she's not always like, um, it's not always like really publicized that she was herself queer, but yeah she not only became an icon for people just because of the quality of her music and her style, but just like herself, she was um, a member of the queer community. So I think it's cool to have this music in here.
2: It is. I really, I really liked that song there too. Like I felt like it was the right, it was like the right mood for them. And that like, if you've, if you've ever been into music, you have, you know, somebody who's like super passionate about it. And it's clear that Alex is like being opened up by Elliot. And so he's like learning about these things. And he, one of these things is he's learning about
0: music. Mm, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And Elliot has really good taste in music. <laughs> I just Elliot has say. really good taste. Okay? Well, he's, <laughs> he's gay he's in a YA weird. rom-com.
1: Of course he has good taste in music. <laughs> it's like those 10-year-olds in Big Little Lies that have this impossibly cultured music taste. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's true. That's true. Um, let's see. And then like Claire, oh say, well, before we talk about Claire, anything more you want to talk about the actual date, uh, non-date date?
2: Um, I do like how when they're like, it, you have this like deep, deep kissing vibe. And then all of a sudden, like Elliot looks sideways and you're, he's just like, there's a girl on your porch. And it went through my mind so hard that like, if they'd been kissing, Claire would have lost it. Mm. and you know and like just like how that feel was because like there was there was so much like they're gonna kiss it's gonna happen oh my god and then you're like oh my god it can never happen
0: because claire Mm. yeah so yeah now we see claire waiting on the porch for alex and claire kind of jokes about alex like and elliot's like romantic time together she says how romantic did you guys make out and alex loses his shit he's so defensive at this point um for being sort of found out i guess. And he's like, I like girls. I want to sleep with girls, you in particular. But he gets like pretty hostile and he says Claire's giving off like a crazy stalker person vibe. And she's understandably pissed and she books out. So, yeah. Right. Um, once again,
2: you know, they'll protest too much. Yeah. Um, how Claire... And the only reason I can say that Claire doesn't notice this so much is because Claire is dealing with her own shit. Right. Yeah, She is dealing with her own heavy issues with her mom is like dying of cancer.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's like she's dying, but she's at least struggling with it, like on a on a big level.
2: Yeah, right. And like Alex is apparently not good at being a boyfriend or a friend in this
0: case. Mm. He, I mean, he's dealing with his shit. So everybody's got their shit right now. Yeah.
1: On the cancer front, and people not dealing with it. Well, I had cancer twice in my twenties, and people unless someone's like old, if someone's old and dies or sick or you know. Is old and has cancer, but even someone middle aged with cancer, people don't have a social blueprint for how to act in those situations or how to talk about it. So he probably, even if he was the most wise beyond his years teenage boy that's ever existed, <laughs> it's hard to know how to act in that situation. But he did have his own shit going on. But I will say, even as grown ups, people just don't know how to act around stuff like that.
2: Hmm. People yeah. don't know how to act around death. I also have had cancer a few times. I uh, just had it again last year. And yeah. it's one of those things that it is, it's hard for people. But at the same time, I've never met somebody who was that that kind of like insensitive. That it wasn't at part of their mind where they're just like, but they're also dealing with something. Now, mind you, she is just dealing with a family member. So maybe it, right. dropped, it like it leaves his mind. But at the same time, there's a part of me that felt that, that was... If, if for him, this hadn't been such a big deal, he also would not have been a person who just snapped at her about nothing. Also, she was there. He never asked why she was standing on his porch. Mm-hmm. You know, she's was standing there because she wants comfort. She wants her friend. Yeah. And that, like, the, I felt that this was a true, like, argument. Like, this is a true miscommunication. This can really happen just like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt that because Claire Claire hadn't been, like, built up enough yet, as she was like, she's almost like a side character. She has less, she has less meat than she should have. But so she has so been much been screen time though, compared so to Ellie. Yeah. Like the writing wise, I felt like she, the, like this scene here showed me that the writing wise of Claire, she doesn't have enough like meat to her. Because this mm. scene should have been really vital and important and a turning point, and it kind of is glossed over. Hmm.
0: So we go we go on to like have Alex and Claire like individually confused about like Alex is confused about his own feelings and Claire is confused about Alex's behavior. I'm going to skip over a little bit of this though and then talk about Alex then talking to Dell at school the next day and telling Dell he's bisexual. And can I just say Dell's line to Alex, "Do you listen to Panic at the Disco while jerking off to pictures of vampires?" Alex is like, "What?" No. Dell says, "Then you're not bisexual." Come on!
1: I laughed for a ridiculously long time, and then rewound it and watched that again because it was so fucking funny. <laughs>
2: this this entire scene, anything with Dell in it is actually pretty good. This entire scene I also felt was like r- very real. Like this is a conversation you probably could have really had, and you everyone has had a friend that's like Dell. Yeah,
0: right? yeah. I probably
2: was the Dell for somebody. <laughs>
0: it's like that panic at the disco thing though i saw that either on tumblr or twitter at the time the movie came out and people were like passing it around because they were like so true so true <laughs> and this included uh, bisexual people so
1: <laughs> Dell, i think is the smartest person in this entire movie <laughs> <laughs> he is so funny and he's so to the point and honestly most of the time i'm like well he's not wrong <laughs>
0: But then he tries to like flash like Alex like like as if it's gonna be proof if he doesn't want to see Dell's penis that he's like not gay. I'm like, yeah, Dell. I don't know. I you know. I don't think it works that way. This is about well, the same understanding that Gretchen has of poly. Man
1: thinks that if you're gay, you want to see slash touch their penis.
2: Mm. <laughs> Nobody. Wants and
1: I'm that. just like, yeah, sorry, you're just not that hot. Do you think every girl wants to touch it? Because well,
0: they they definitely think every girl wants to see their penis judging on the amount of unsolicited dick pics that are out there oh, in the world. Right.
1: So.
2: <laughs> I do like that scene where he pulls out his pants because like, I liked how they show that a, he's just like in the middle of like the school area. Right. And I like the fact that like, they do show how other people are like seeing this and are like, what the hell? But also are like, I mean, this is just Dell. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. And it should be noted that Dell, when he was very young, sent unsolicited like beefcake shots—not of his penis, but like beefcake <laughs> shots—to this other little girl that he has a thing for. Oh,
2: yeah, goodness. everything about Dell is so good. He's my favorite character.
3: Yeah, by <laughs> I far. I thought you
0: would like Dell.
2: I thought you would enjoy him so Yeah. This is literally my favorite line of like the entire movie. So Dell says. It's like Mad Max out there, you know, guys doing guys, girls doing girls, girls turning into guys and doing girls that used to do girls and guys. Ah, it's like anyone just plain straight out there. (laughs) I mean, I thought it was just like when I heard that, I was like, that is so reality. Like the, the spectrum right now. And I imagine for teens that it's so incredibly confusing because the smorgasbord is too complicated.
0: Yeah, and it's also the this is the update of the like the asshole character, right? This is like Jason Lee from Chasing Amy for the for the uh 2010s, right? right. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't be Jason Lee from Chasing Amy anymore, but you can be. You can have Adele in your movie. Yes. Yes. We also see this character though of Sydney in the process of this. So is kind of an example of one of, of how Craig Johnson seated in some characters at the school who well, I think Sydney's supposed to be like maybe trans, maybe genderqueer. I'm not exactly sure. Sydney's kind of got this androgynous goth look and Dell yells at Sydney are you attracted to guys or girls and Sydney's like I'm attracted to the person and then like gives them the finger (laughs) so Sydney does get to bite back here we're not just like making fun of people's like sexualities here or something we're like we're having people bite back and be like stop being such a baby Dell." yes yeah I don't know I wonder if there are people who would take like offense at this scene though because I feel like there would be for sure I'm sure
1: People get offended about everything nowadays. And I don't find this scene malicious at all. I don't think the movie is trying to say anything about the character of Sydney. Uh, It's just a funny aside.
0: Yeah. I don't. And I don't think we're supposed to see Dell as like a font of wisdom either. I think we're supposed to see him as like the kind of the like man on the street, like kind of person who's going to like say the mainstream view of something kind Mm. of, you know what I mean? And he's
1: not bad hearted like about actually, it or anything. Yeah.
3: He's just.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not bad hearted, but like something you have to kind of deal with when you're trying to like come to terms with your sexuality is you might have friends who are just like more comfortable with you being the way you were or something like mm-hmm. that. And he and Del and Del says to, to try to make himself comfortable. Maybe he says maybe Alex has a man crush on Elliot. So which I guess is a real phenomenon. We see movies about that
1: oh, man crushes are a total thing. And honestly, this is another one of those things. I was like, that's actually really shrewd of him to be like, yeah, you've just got a man crush and you don't know how to, and it's on a gay guy and you don't know how to process that, which is a very valid statement, honestly, especially Hmm. for a teenager to make. Because sometimes, especially with male relationships, if there's a certain level of closeness, you're like, wait, do I just want to be friends with them? Do I want to be close to them? Do I, am I interested in them? it's sometimes a hard thing to navigate.
0: Yeah. There's some like cause men don't have as much of a template for being like super right. close with each other as women. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's and an
2: incredibly it, good way to put it. Jennifer. I'm going to use that in the future. They don't have a template.
0: <laughs> All right. I, I'm glad. I'm glad I've given you some, I'm glad I've given you a template. Sorry. I don't know. I'm just, I'm babbling <laughs> at this point.
1: You're great at that sexy talk. Just, just as, just as well as Alex. <laughs> you that template <laughs>
0: <laughs> well okay so yeah so we're done with the the schoolyard scene um alex and Claire hang out again he apologizes to her and she then tries to let him get off the hook for having sex and going to the hotel but he insists that he wants to do it and he says i may talk dirty and i'm like oh please don't threaten me with this please don't <laughs> Please,
2: <laughs> please definitely don't threaten me with your dirty talk which is so bad
0: yeah yep. <laughs> all right so now we get to another great scene in the movie we have tension building between alex and elliot leading to a kiss oh my gosh okay so elliot runs into alex buying condoms at the store which is like the most awkward you know thing that could happen probably <laughs> Then Alex and Elliot are in the car listening to the B-52s. Alex has never heard of them. And Elliot insists that they go to his house and listen to the song. And the song that they're using is Dance This Mess Around by the B-52s, which I admittedly, I had not heard this particular B-52 song before this movie. So and I'm really glad I have now. It was released in 1979 on their debut album. And I also looked up a little bit about the B-52s because I'm a nerd. And I found out that four of the five original members were queer. So Ricky Wilson was the guitarist and songwriter. He actually died of AIDS in 1985, though. Fred Schneider, the lead vocalist, is gay. Drummer guitarist Keith Strickland is gay. And Kate Pearson eventually, um, I think, either married a woman or she's in a relationship with a woman. So, yeah, that's a lot of the band. Also read a little bit of background on the band. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name quite right, but Kara Bolinick... Wrote in Billboard, when I first heard them in the early 1980s, I was a teenager struggling to accept my own sexuality, and they were a beacon. Punk in their subversion of convention and celebration of the absurd, they were also defiantly fun at a time when President Ronald Reagan wouldn't so much as say the word gay or address the fact that AIDS was quickly becoming a pandemic. At the time, the message that LGBTQ kids like me took from them felt urgent and necessary. Weird is good, and it's where the party's at. So, yeah, like, I guess I kind of hadn't, I hadn't perceived the B-52s as being like um, this kind of like iconic band for like the queer community before watching this film. Um, I make sense, but, you know, they were so popular with Rome and Love Shack when in the 90s, they were just part of the musical landscape for me. But yeah, yeah, did you, did either of you, had either of you perceived them as being like an LGBTQ band in any way? Not for me. Um, I have the same feeling that you did,
2: but we grew up in the same generation. Yeah.
1: Well, like I have said, I am notoriously horrible at anything music-related, so I had no idea. I could not have told you a B-52 song if you had a gun to my head.
0: Even Love when I hear them,
1: yeah, I wouldn't have known who it was. Oh, okay, would, okay, okay. Like, I would recognize the song, but I can never, most of the time, can't tell you like who sings something. So I, yeah no idea Whoa. i like them when i hear them and if i'm told it's b be 52s i'm like oh cool i like this song <laughs> well um, you're
0: letting me feel smart clayton so thank you for that yeah uh, if you want to feel <laughs> smart
1: talk to me about music and i just smile and nod. And i'm like oh, that's cool i did not know that
0: <laughs> i'm usually the smiler and the nodder so yay i'm so excited now <laughs> Okay. So we cut from this B-52's video of Dance This Mess Around to Elliot doing a lip sync performance of the song for Alex. And he's alternating between using a pink wig and sunglasses. And it is so hot and so well done, in my opinion. It is. It is. Um, I also want to just take one minute before we get into the meat
2: of what's going to be awesome here. Um, This room is incredible. Okay. Yeah, tell us. Honestly, Jennifer, as somebody who like, grew up knowing you I felt like this could have been your like (laughs) like like it's all like a collage stuff all over the wall and I literally paused this a few times to see if I could see everything because it says so much about who Elliot is and I got it hats off to the set production on this because I knew everything about Elliot by looking at this, he likes, he's into Broadway shows. He is super into the like the queer world. He loves punk. He loves anything like, like subversive. He, you know, he has a giant moonlight poster. He has a um Angry Inch, Headwig and the Angry Inch mm. poster. He's got all of these like flags and stuff that I don't even know what half of this stuff means, but I'm sure if I did, I'd be like, ah, this tells me so much about you. He's got pictures of men being beautiful and women being beautiful. You know, but like everything had meaning that I could see. And I wish that we had had more time to actually look at this wall. I wish we had more scenes where we sat there so I could see more of this room because so much Mm -hmm. effort was put into it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was too caught off guard by the insane chemistry that was happening on screen to notice the details of this room. But on the topic of teens rooms in film, they are always so much cooler than any teenager I have ever seen. (laughs) In real life is room. And again, set decorators, props, good job for the details you put into the background of scenes to let us know who characters are.
0: I had a cool ass room. Like Sybil said, my whole wall was totally decorated. In college, I had the wall of beautiful women in Ewan McGregor. That was my yep. theme. Yep.
1: <laughs> that is a wonderful theme.
0: Oh, my God. It had like in the center, I think there was like a Phantom Menace poster where he said something like, I can't wait to take my real lightsaber out or something. Yes. <laughs> uh- <laughs> and it was a lot of Captain Zeta Jones. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay, so Alex is very flustered by this very hot lip-syncing performance, and then Elliot invites him to sit on the bed. Oh, yeah. And I've got now a clip of this scene between them.
3: Come here. Over
1: there? Yeah, over here. wanna come like a little bit closer. <laughs> so um you know I was thinking about that monkey I realized. Oh Jesus. Wow uh, that was a nice surprise. What am I doing? Why did I do that? I'm really sorry. Don't apologize. I should go, I'm gonna go. Okay, Alex, just calm down. Calm down. Like one minute, Elliot, I have a girlfriend who I'm supposed to be losing my virginity to in approximately 29 hours. Wow, this is so not part of the game plan. Sometimes you need to alter the game plan.
3: Look, if I led you on or something, I'm really sorry. Wait, no, no,
1: no, you kissed me. Yeah, like you didn't want me to. Oh, Alex, let's go for a drive. Oh, Alex, why don't you come to my room and I'll do a little gay B-52s dance for you. Oh, Alex, why don't you come and sit on my bed? Where you kissed me. Yeah. I gave you what you wanted. Alex, you were one confused kid, you know that?
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Alex! Oof, that's a lot. That's a lot in one scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My eyeballs, like, I went, I felt like whiplash, right? Because I'm like, so from the scene, what happens is Alex comes and sits on the bed and they sit back to back together, right? So Alex and Elliot are back to back and Elliot starts to say something and Alex, and he turns around to look at him and Alex just jumps on him. Mm -hmm. Just like full on mouth, like kiss, like sucks his face. And you're like, oh my God. And you're like, this is so beautiful. And I think they did a good job. I think it's like very realistic. I was like very hot. And then, then it's not then yeah. it's just all anger and, and, and anger. He freaks out.
0: He
1: just freaks yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very true to life. I, the, My exact note for this scene was just like, oh, relatable content. Because people that are figuring stuff out, I mean, I've been on both sides of that. My reaction to I mean, Elliot honestly reminds me a lot of the guy that was my first kiss. And when he first kissed me, which was incidentally at a party, where I was talking to a girl that looked a lot like Claire actually named Regina Hmm. and he kissed me outside and I like was super into it. And then as soon as it was over, I like freaked out and pushed him away and you're just instantly trying to like rationalize and wrap your head around it. And I've also been on the other side of it where you hook up with somebody in some form and then they just like start feeling guilty and freaking out and overthinking stuff. And if I had a dollar for every time I've seen, heard about, or experienced a moment like this, I could probably have a nice day out at the movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like really hard to watch. Cause like, it's like really, it's like one of the hottest kiss scenes I've ever seen. First of all, and uh, you're so yeah. there for it as an audience. Like if you can hear the kiss, that's a good sign for me. i am just, I'm saying <laughs> like you can hear this kiss in the, in the podcast. You usually can. And, um, but then you just, like, see Elliot, like, is heartbreaking a little because it's like, oh, shit, this guy kissed me, but he wasn't ready for it. And I thought I had this wonderful thing, and now it's completely taken away. And not only that, but this guy is kind of accusing me of, like, kind of being a predator in a sense, which is got to be hard to hear.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Uh,
1: that wasn't exactly the read I got of it from Elliot because oh, really? I feel like okay. he's, yeah. he's so self-aware and everything. I think he 100% gets what's happening. It's just kind of like, well, this is a bummer, but uh... I get it. And okay. uh, he okay. seems he seems to recognize what's going on, even though it is disappointing.
0: Okay, well, that's good. That's good to have your perspective then. Because, like, for me, it was even more heartbreaking because I felt like, oh, shit, like, he must feel so sad. But, like, if you think he's got more of a self-awareness about it. Because, like, the one thing, like, Elliot's alluded to, like, you know, how his father kicked him out. And, like, you know, Mm. and he's already been rejected by, you know, his family in a sense. So, it must like, for me, it means rejection must come harder for him than it would for some other people maybe.
1: Right. But that also makes you get more prepared a little bit for it and mm. it doesn't hit you as hard if you're kind of always expecting it mm. but again okay. with what he went through and what we learn about Elliot he seems to have it very together he seems like he has his head on his shoulders he knows who he is he knows what he wants he yeah is remarkably does seem very
2: self-aware you're right yeah he's very, very self-aware, self-aware for a teenager. what's happening
0: So yeah, so before we get to our spoiler section, I wanted to kind of just talk about like coming out as a process in high school, in particular, but just in general. And just to give some background on this movie first, um, writer director Craig Johnson told the It Gets Better Project channel on YouTube, quote, I came out incrementally. I had all those feelings kind of generating in me when I was in middle school and high school. I came out as bisexual, and sort of that was my identity for years, kind of well into my 20s, honestly. So I would date women, and then I would date guys, and eventually I just did the calculus and was like, okay, you're gay, that's what you are. And you know, once I sort of looked at myself in the mirror and said that, it was sort of like these sort of clouds lifted, and I was able to look back at my journey and say, wow, what a roller coaster. And yeah, he also told the Movable Feast, I certainly think I have fallen in love with a couple of women in my life very authentically, but then there was always this pesky sex thing that got in the way. So that was Johnson's experience. Um Clayton I wanted to just kind of ask you like wh- whatever you're willing to share what has kind of been the coming out story for you? What was that process like for you?
1: It was a journey. So me again I grew up very 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 conservative Christian and being gay wasn't really an option in my world. I never even met a gay person until I was senior in high school, I think. I was the person that trained me at my first job was gay. But mm-hmm. when I was a kid, like kids at school and I wasn't Christian school and I wasn't like into sports and stuff. And like kids would call me gay and I literally didn't even know what it meant.
0: Oh, um, wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Did not even have a clue. And in retrospect, I was definitely into guys. I had such a crush on like Prince Eric and from The Little Mermaid and <laughs> uh <laughs> and Aladdin. Uh I was very interested and thought guys were cute and everything but like it almost was like it didn't register to me that that's what was going on it was just kind of like I don't know I didn't think that much into it and around the time I was maybe 13 or something at that point I was just like oh no I'm into guys and that is an abomination I'm going to hell this needs to change Mm. I don't want to be like this I need to get married and have kids and you know be a good little Christian boy and I prayed prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed all this stuff and. It was like, you know, if this is sin, like I was very clearly just like born like this. Why did you make me like this? Take it away. And nothing happened. And I pretty much was like, well, God either isn't real or just doesn't give a shit. And either way, whatever, this is who I am. And that's my also my relationship with religion, by the way. And then I got my first job at a Winn-Dixie in South Florida and I incidentally, I'm still really good friends with the people I worked with there, but they even were like, everybody pretty much always knew I was gay. I, again, I was like the last person to figure it out because I was just not ready to accept that about myself. And more and more, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm into guys, but I just can't deal with it. I'm not going to worry about it right now. And then when I was 18, I still hadn't like accepted it. And I met this guy, Dylan. And we had some insane chemistry. And this one time he kissed me in the kitchen and it was incredibly hot. And at that point I was just like, okay, I, I guess it's I'm gay, whatever. But I still hadn't come out. Like, I think I had told some of my close friends at that point and Dylan, and I started dating and I ended up like moving in with him and my parents were pastoring a church at that point. And I had stopped going to church, but like they didn't know why. And his mother was very, very, very Pentecostal, I think. Like she had tried to mm. give him an exorcism for being gay one time. Oh I think. my God. Very crazy woman. Lovely, lovely woman, Brenda. And she found out that him and I were dating, and it was one of those well, I'm going to tell your parents what's going on. And I was like, sure the hell you aren't, Brenda. And so (laughs) I came out to them, even though I wasn't really ready to. and But I wanted them to hear it from me. And because of the situation with like the church running their house, and it was very conservative and everything. They were pretty much like, well, they did not take it well. And we're pretty much like, you've got 10 minutes to get your stuff. And uh, that was when I was 18, maybe 19. I don't know. Uh, We have a very good relationship now. But that was my coming out experience. It was not on my own terms, but mm-hmm. I don't regret it. I learned a lot from it and everything. But yeah, I can't necessarily really 100% to his story, but that was how I ended up coming out. And then I was been considered myself gay ever since I will say in college. I had kind of reverse experimentation in college. I dated <laughs> a girl Well, several years after being out as being gay. She was actually just on my podcast for my Killer Joe episode. Lisa, wonderful we had a great sex life. She has a wonderful vagina. I had no issue with it. I would not (laughs) say I was bisexual. I still would say, you know, sexuality is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was just really cool. So I did laugh at the like, I like the person. Uh, I don't think I would ever really date a girl again or anything, but yeah, I'm not freaked out by vaginas. And that's uh, my coming out story in a nutshell. That was my experience.
0: So, like, once you had sort of come out to your parents, were you basically just out to everybody at that point? Or did you still feel like hesitancy with like strangers or like in more oh, no. school I was, environments?
1: My parents were my biggest uh, thing that I was scared about coming out with. Again, I've always fiercely, like, one of the things with growing up in the church, I very much like have hated hypocrisy in any form. And so it was more, I didn't know how they were going to take it but I didn't care about other people. And I did lose a lot of friends from the church when I came out. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people I'm still very close with, but it definitely was kind of a big thing. It was very much a life shifting, but it was very, it was very freeing. Yeah. It was just like, there was this huge part of me that I'd never really a acknowledged. And then B was just hiding, which is not any way to live. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, I think everybody, you know, some people do have very charmed coming out experiences, but I think as a general rule, there's always rough things that go along with it. And I am really glad that for a lot of people, it has gotten easier and you know, there's people out there so you don't feel as alone. Uh, so I came out probably 2008, end of 2008, beginning of 2009. Um, Okay. So it was definitely more accepted and stuff. Not necessarily in my world, because I was so intrinsically involved in the extremely conservative Christian holiness movement. Yeah, but you know, as time goes on and everything, and even with just the media like this, seeing the availability and just knowing like, hey, you're not the only one, there's a lot of people that are going through this that can relate and you can talk to and reach out to about what you're going through is important. yeah, and I'm really glad that the younger generations get to have that.
0: So, like, how long did it take for you to, like, kind of have a relationship, a good relationship with your parents again?
1: So, uh, it's complicated because, again, with me growing up in the church and I am somewhat self aware about things and very empathetic, I can understand both sides of it. You know, they very much believe with every fiber of their existence that being gay is, you know, wrong and they'll go to hell. So, obviously, that would be really traumatic for them to try to come to terms with. But they've always very much treated me like they love me. And during that time period, again, it was literally just because they were in a conservative church that was paying for their home. Mm-hmm. And would they do the same thing now? I don't think so. My parents and I are very close these days, and my last very serious boyfriend—I mean, they still him and his boyfriend, uh, his last relationship broke up uh, because he was abusive, and he had to move up here with like nothing. And I mean, they helped like furnish his apartment, and we haven't dated in years, and um. So, I mean, it was a journey. It was a little rocky, and but I always knew that they loved me. That was never a thing in it. Um,
0: That's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Relationships are complicated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sybil, anything you wanted to ask about or should we? No, I think
2: that that, that was a really good. I mean, I only know from the experience of watching, you know, my best friend from high school who was gay. And he. I remember when he came out to me. Um, I know he was really scared. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't understand why you'd be so scared. Because like, what about me makes you think that I'm not going to love you as a person. But it showed me that like, even somebody that you trust and you think is going to be okay with it, you still have like these huge, horrible feelings of like the what ifs, you know, Um, because I know that when he came out to me, and I was like, Oh, okay, well, are you okay? And he just like started crying. Oh. and I was like um I did I do it wrong he's like no I just really thought that it was going to be scarier than that you know and for me I was like I didn't it just didn't matter to me that he was that that was like who he was um our our friendship lifestyles like switched because it became a lot more like you know going to clubs and meeting people and stuff and like moving into that lifestyle but I it you know was fine didn't bother me. I loved him still. We were best friends all the way through high school.
0: Yeah. All right. I feel very moved. So I'm just sitting here being quiet now. I do have one strange comment though. Like um, uh, you said the 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 mom, Dylan's mom was Brenda. Was this a 90210 thing going on here? I'm
1: just- <laughs> I never saw 90210. So I don't understand the reference, but yes, uh, my first boyfriend's name was Dylan and his mother's name is Brenda.
0: Okay, yeah, because Brenda and Dylan dated on nine hundred two one zero. That's all I'm going to say. So, <laughs> all right, yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for sharing the story with us, Clayton. And like, yeah, I think it's just like good to hear different stories of how this comes about for people to give oh, yeah, people, definitely. yeah, yeah, to give people models for like you know what how it's happened before, how they might go about things, etc. Yeah, yeah,
1: and it's not something that's come up on my own podcast yet. So this is really the first time I've shared it online. So.
0: Oh man. Well, thank you. Okay. So we're going to start our spoiler section now. So if you have not seen Alex Strangelove, as much as I'm loath to encourage people to watch Netflix, I feel like this movie is one of the things that you should check out on Netflix. So if you don't want to get Netflix right now, like maybe put it on your watch list or something and come back to it when you have to watch the last season of Stranger Things someday. <laughs> okay. I will
1: point out the people on strike have said don't boycott things yet because right, yeah, then yeah. the people they'll be like, Oh, well they aren't watching your stuff anyway. Why do you have value? Uh, so they have not wanted people to boycott, boycott the different streamers and studios. And again, something like Alex strains love, I have not looked up to see, but I don't think it's available for purchase anywhere or on yeah, physical media. So the only way to watch it is on Netflix and streaming. And with the way people have been doing, unless they start changing the contracts after these rounds of, uh, Strike negotiations and Alex Strangelove could get deleted tomorrow and you'd never be able to see it again. So, no. go
0: it. I, I'm like horrified by the idea of Alex Strangelove disappearing because it's like one of my favorite um, teen rom coms. And I love Craig Johnson's work. I just like want to see it. So,
1: honestly, you know, used to piracy obviously was a big no no. And now, piracy for some situations, especially stuff that is only available on streaming services, it seems like on film preservation at this point. So, you know, take yeah. that as you will.
0: And so many of the best rom-coms of the last five years have been things that are only available on streaming. Like I Want You Back mm-hmm. and um, Always Be My Maybe. Also like to all the boys, so much of it is on streaming only and it drives me crazy. So, yep. Anyway. Okay. Point is we're starting the spoiler section now. So if you want to see Alex Strangelove first, go on and do that and then come back to us. Okay. So now we get to the most Painful and awkward scene in the entire movie, in my opinion, when Alex and Claire go to the hotel to have sex with each other. So um, I'll open this up. Um, we can, we can talk about some of these specific things later, but what did, what was your takeaway from this whole scene? I was so incredibly uncomfortable the
2: entire time, but I felt like Claire's, I, I wish that Claire's realization, because Claire says essentially like, are you gay? And he's like, no, no. But like, I felt that when she asked that question, it should have been more like, I'm pretty sure you're gay. <laughs> and that should have been how that went down for her.
0: Yeah, they've already started having sex at this point. Like, but Alex just keeps talking and he seems really awkward. And then she stops the sex and she says, it seems like you're not into it. And then she goes to, are you gay? Yeah.
2: I mean, like, listen, I, I can like, I think all first sex times tend to be a little bit awkward and weird like um, i think that's just the reality of I, it. I did pretty I well
0: weird.
1: my <laughs> first, first time was virgins. wonderful actually
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're both virgins um, I I was he wasn't a virgin. I don't know if Claire's okay, supposed so, to be a virgin, but I but Sybil, I don't think Claire's actually supposed to be a virgin in this. No, because that's he one actually, of the things
1: he yeah, uses as yeah, yeah. saying he's insecure about is because like he doesn't know if he will measure up because she's not and it's it, not her first
3: time.
0: And, 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 and she I I, and Sybil and I was specifically not awkward. My my first boyfriend even said like Have you done this before?" <laughs> like so, I don't know. I don't think it has to be awkward. Just saying. Yeah,
1: my first boyfriend Dylan. Him and I, we were both virgins. Lost our virginity to each other, and it was a wonderful experience. I've always considered. Myself very lucky because I know that is not always the case.
0: Yeah, yeah. It happens. It does sometimes, sometimes it goes right. I think, but people, it's good to tell people it doesn't have to be perfect the first time, right? Mm-hmm. But this is like a new level of awkwardness. This is like yeah, insane.
2: <laughs> this is a level of awkward that if I was in this room, I would have been like, one of you is not into this, clearly. So that it takes Claire this lo- So this is again, like, I feel like Claire is like just has disservice in this film. Like she's made to seem stupid a lot. She doesn't have enough meat. And here she is. If her character had been built in a way that like, she's like, I'm his friend and I love him. And like, sometimes there's just like awkwardness around that or we're too close or whatever. But then it comes into like, maybe she's thinking to herself, are we more like brother and sister? Or is this guy just not into me? And so she's coming from a place of this guy could not be into me. And here she's feeling very uncomfortable and then he's essentially like, yeah, I don't, I like someone. And then he says, I like someone
0: else. Well he, well, he says it like this. He says, have you ever stopped to think that maybe I like someone else? And he's using it to cover over admitting being gay so yeah because it would be better it's for some also reason. like a
1: Freudian slip though because he seems yeah. like he did not mean to say that at all
0: yeah
2: no yeah I agree I agree I think he's very flustered and she's our she's asked him if he's gay and then he's like he's like no I'm not I'm not gay but maybe it's just you not me which is so far how he is anytime there's a problem with him he deflects onto the the other person is wrong and not him
0: yeah yeah and so like also like during this scene, like when they start to try to have sex, like he is just like, I guess not getting an erection until he starts imagining Elliot, like in the room, like shirtless, like kind of looking at him in a sexy way. And like, so you, we get this signal from the movie that like, that's what's going on in his head, which works because there's a lot of like these hallucination type things that occur in the movie. Mm. Plus like, this is the only time we get to see super sexy Elliot. So. Yes, exactly. And, and
2: at this point you think to yourself, okay, Alex, so you're, you're living in a world where the people around you, there's not one person in the people around you that have made it seem like you being gay would be a problem. And this was my issue with this scene. There's mm-hmm. not one there's not one person in your world who has been like, you. if you're gay, I'm never going to be your friend. I'm going to hate you. You're a horrible person. And so when you start thinking of a man while you're having to get an erection to have sex with a girl, don't you just stop for a second and think to yourself, huh? Huh, maybe maybe this isn't right for me.
1: Yeah, he's very desperate to not acknowledge what's going on yeah, in a way that doesn't makes, make sense for his character in yeah, his, character, and his not world. Not even
3: a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think well, I mean, it's it's one for one thing, it's probably a sign that this is like the story of somebody who grew up in a different time when it was a lot harder. Mm. Um, but I think I mean we can't underestimate though. I think there is still you know, heteronormativity is still in our culture, even in this enlightened time, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, your life changes, like your idea of what your life is going to look like will change somewhat, if you admit this to yourself, you're not going to like fit into the box that people assume immediately for most people. And there are going to be people who will hate you, like in a in a bad way, like just based on your identity. And so It's a lot to give up the the privilege of the dominant culture, I guess. You know what I mean? Even if you have accepting people around you. My headcanon is his dad is homophobic, though. They should have brought that out a little bit more. But I feel like in my headcanon, his dad is homophobic. Like, I just got that vibe. I don't know. Do you have a dad? Yeah. We do see see him a couple
1: times. I don't think he ever says a thing, but we see him.
0: He does. He does talk. He's talking about – he's complaining about – Claire um, or
1: something, I think, maybe –
0: he complains what? to Alex about his choice of college or how he didn't even apply to this other college. He really seems oh, controlling, Columbia, right. Yeah, he really seems controlling, and the mom seems really cowed by him. So part of me wonders, like, like if they, they could have brought that out a little bit, and I, and that would have helped. Sybil, I agree. Like, but I think like his dad seems like he's not close to Alex at all, too, and so maybe like there's that's part of the tension there. They could have brought the bully character back from the opening montage. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: There are a lot of things I think they could have done differently on a script level for this yeah. that would have made it considerably stronger
0: but i I still bought it though i will say i still bought that he's having an issue here yeah all right any more we want to say about this scene
2: it made me very sad the scene made me really sad for just Mm. everybody like when i finished the scene i was like i'm really sad for everybody
0: yeah it ends with him going like have you ever thought that maybe i like someone else and claire's crying and kicks him out yeah Okay. So we come now to a scene um, like Alex is depressed and his friends try to cheer him up by taking him to a frat party, Um, which would not cheer me up at all, but they think it will. So there you go. And we see notably Alex is trying to act in this kind of macho way, I think is what he's trying to do. And he's (laughs) drinking a lot.
1: His whole performance he's putting on at this party is just so funny. I. This whole thing just cracked me up. The whole entire situation. This whole entire thing. The jock boyfriend kills me. There's just so many funny moments. I greatly. This was another highlight of the movie for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. He goes to hook up with this girl. Like who's turns out to be named Sierra. And then you later find out her jock boyfriend's name Dakota. It's I like. Know, they're so like good. Sierra. Dakota. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The chalk boyfriend, I love that he's talking to Dell, who's like 12, who, I mean, he's not 12, <laughs> I just refer to anybody that's a teenager, they're like 12, way younger than him, about his relationship troubles, and he's like, adios, slut,
2: I really do love her.
1: <laughs> I'm just like, oh, alcohol.
2: Oh, man. I also like this party compared to, like, you look at this party compared to the um the, the first party we see them at, and you're like, I think this is a nod, more of a nod to like, you know um. Kind of eighty flicks, right? Yeah, Um, uh, but I also think that it's it's really interesting that like that his it's Dell's sister, right, who brings brings them. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: I love Dell's sister. sister She is so funny.
2: Right, his sister is amazing. Dell, like I can't like I would watch an entire show about Dell's family. (laughs) Clearly, Mm -hmm. they're fascinating people Uh, because we didn't talk about it, but Dell's sister is the one who pays for the the hotel room so that they can have sex. So that, you know, Alex and, and Claire can have sex. She does it. So like clearly she, this the sisters like kind of different than other sisters, but that she would bring them to this f- frat party <laughs> is hysterical to me.
1: And she's like giving them shit because they're just like sitting around playing games. And she's like, you're supposed to be here to look for girls.
2: <laughs> right? Like she's like pimping them out. Like go hook up.
1: And the insults she throws out at her brother are so funny. I wish I had written some of them down, but I was laughing too hard, <laughs> but they are yeah. absolute gold. Great character.
0: Yeah. They're so foul together. I love Dell and his sister too. Yeah. They're funny. So Alex does try to hook up with a Sierra girl, but again, he can't like, you know, can't get it up for her. Cause he's not interested in girls. And Claire like has found out that he's at this party and she finds him with this other girl and she is Obviously, incredibly upset. And so then this breaks us out of the party again.
1: My only comment was just the secondary love story between Dell and whatever the fuck her name Sophie was
0: Hicks. Sophie, Sophie Hicks. Sophie Hicks. Yeah. That disappeared. was so predictable. It right Literally
1: the second that they introduced them, like at the beginning of the movie. And I'm like, well, that's how that's going to end up. And it played out <laughs> exactly like I thought. And I was so irritated. <laughs>
0: that's yeah, it was pretty underdeveloped. Comment. Yeah, Sophie's the one that he sent the beefcake pictures to. And yeah, like she's very pretty and like she's not into him. But then, yeah, of course they have to like be together at the end of the movie. Yep. Okay, so we get Alex now kind of has a breakthrough after this party and he ends up coming out to Claire. And he also admits to himself that he's gay first. So he finds, first of all, the hallucinogenic toad just like, like, hopping around outside by the way I really wanted the toad story wrapped up okay
1: same I wanted them to find the toad something resolved and also isn't chlorine really dangerous to a frog
0: I mean I would not put a frog in
2: in a pool absolutely not it's gonna die in there
0: yeah yeah I was worried about that toad.
1: they're like skin don't they that's (laughs) I was very concerned for this frog
2: I I agree I felt like this was a missed opportunity for the frog to have a happy ending Yes. And you could have, and you could have done all of this still with the frog having a happy ending.
0: Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I wanted him. It's technically a toad, but it doesn't matter. I wanted him to have a happy ending and like, yeah. So I'm glad everybody agrees with that. Well, anyway, Alex follows the toad to the pool. The toad jumps in the pool and probably dies, which is very sad. Um, but in the pool, like Alex is sort of like reborn in a sense, I guess, because he starts like remembering um, an incident from his childhood where he was like, I guess at a camp or something. And I guess he like gets an erection in the shower and the other boys notice and they start saying that he's gay and beating him up basically. So like, that would be a pretty strong uh, traumatic memory that would make it hard for you to come out, I think. And But that's kind of where he has this point of realization. And yeah, I don't know. I worked for me. The flashback worked for me.
2: I was okay with this. I wish I had seen more of this earlier in his character development. Yeah, that was. It
0: would have made more sense why he was
1: the way he is. Yeah, I wish that they had given this information far earlier in the film.
0: Yeah, I almost felt like this was like almost a repressed memory. Like he had just put it away and tried to forget about it.
1: Yeah, I wondered that. I just, yeah, I just felt like some of his decisions and stuff throughout the movie, again, with like, why is he so resistant to this? Nobody in his life seems like they would give a fuck except maybe his dad. Hmm. And. then we see this, and it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But at this point, there's what ten minutes left to the movie, mm. and yeah, I just wish we had gotten that information sooner. I think it would have made more of an impact. So, like on a rewatch of this, I think it would, I think this movie would play very well in a rewatch because then you'd have all the information, and then it would be like, oh, this is why he's being the way he's being. But just for if you're going to watch this once or a first time watch, it seems like a weird place to reveal this information.
0: Mm. Mm yeah, I just I guess I saw it as his like his um epiphany, his epiphany moment when he realized that this is who he is, and it's who he has been since he was a kid. And like, he's been repressing it, but like now he's ready to embrace it. Maybe even the toad going into the pool, like the hallucinogenic toad has freed up his mind. I don't know,
1: oh yeah I that
0: it's like it's like following the white rabbit to Wonderland, but he followed the toad to the pool,
1: yeah, he followed the psycho psychotropic toad to the pool
0: hmm the pool of knowledge okay i'm going real deep on this okay (laughs) Okay. and this is where we find out
2: that claire is the nicest person we've never met in real life because when he says i'm gay to claire she's like i mean you're my friend and you've been a dick the entire time this film has been going on but i guess this can still be about you Mm -hmm. and um you know everything's fine even though you've been absolutely horrible to me Mm. in every way possible
0: well i'm gonna play a clip of their conversation now it's a good place to put that in does that work for everyone Yeah. yeah okay so the person you like it's a boy A Kid Elliot. And, um, did you just figure all this out?
1: I guess it's always been there. I just
3: had to be honest with myself. I just couldn't ignore it anymore.
0: Maybe you're just going through a phase?
2: No, I I thought of that. But, you know, I thought I'd grow out of it, and I'd
1: get over it. You
2: know, I'd meet the right girl. But, uh, you know, I met the right girl.
0: Don't people know who they're attracted to? I mean,
1: isn't it just obvious?
2: It's different when...
1: When you're gay?
0: No, it isn't. My cousin just came out and she's 12. What are you so scared of?
1: Losing you.
2: I love you. I'm sorry
1: I'm such a shitty boyfriend.
0: No. No, you're the best gay boyfriend a girl could have.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. You still wanna go to prom with me?
0: All right. Any comments on the scene? Yeah, this
2: I this didn't hit super real to me just because I feel that like, okay, so first of all, he's like, I'm afraid of losing you. What has Claire ever done? Mm. To do that? Yeah, you know, there's just a lot of beats about this. That like, I, th- I had trouble with the scene. Like, I'm, f- I'm fine with how everything kind of turns out. But this is the point where I was just like, Alex is an asshole. I wouldn't do this. <laughs> like, that's what the I thing see- made me think. Of, like, you're an asshole. Because he never says, I'm sorry. He never says I'm sorry to her. Right. And this is something that like, if he, I had this epiphany all of a sudden he, I would assume that someone who was like a person who cared about people would have said, you know, I'm sorry for like what I, like what you've gone through. I'm sorry, how I treated you. Um, I love you. And I'm just trying to work through some stuff.
0: I feel like maybe what the movie could have done is made Claire a little less significant. A part of the story Made them not actually start having sex, but not but just fail to do so, and and really upped the Elliot content, and that would have solved a lot of problems. That's, I agree, yeah, and that would have been like hotter.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm shocked at how little Elliot is in this movie and how much she is, especially with how much she isn't developed. So a little bit later, when what happens at prom goes down, I actually thought because I hadn't really looked at the time or how long the movie was or anything. I was just kind of vibing with it. And I was like, oh, it's probably like halfway over or something, right? Oh, no. Because they're, you know, they're finally like meeting. And I was assuming we were going to see how everything was going to play out. I felt like it had all just been like not building to this moment. But I thought that was like the halfway point of the story. And then I looked and I was like, oh, there's literally eight minutes left. And (laughs) I was just kind of startled. And I was just like, this movie's been both breezing past. So much plot without letting things breathe, but also using the whole entire movie without really doing anything. It was just this weird dichotomy that was happening that really surprised me. And again, I still really enjoyed it, but it was just odd.
2: It's funny you said that because literally I looked down and like, oh, we're at prom. I'm like, how long is this movie? And I pulled down to see how much we had left. And I was just like, oh, I guess it was only about him admitting he's gay. And then the yeah. movie's over. Like I okay. thought it was going
1: to be a love story about like him and Elliot, but it's really just him coming to be like, Oh wait, I like boys. The end.
2: Right. Yeah. That's how I felt about it. I was like, okay, all right then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I guess let's get to prom then. So Alex asked Claire to prom. She says yes. Um, and they show up with Dell, who's with Sophie Hicks. Um, yes. And then, like Claire says, "Oh, I've got to go for a second. I've got a secret mission." And Elliot appears in this like beautiful white suit, and it makes Alex super anxious. Like, and Elliot's just beautiful in his in this Absolutely scene. Absolutely beautiful. His curls are on point. And we find out Claire had invited him, and she's trying to pass the baton. Which, uh, I did not love this because it's like she like just because Alex has come out to you. Doesn't mean that he's ready to come out to everyone. It doesn't mean that you should involve Elliot in this risky venture.
1: <laughs> I did not love that either. Her heart was in the right place. But yeah, I was just like, that's not cool. That's not your thing to make.
0: So Alex is really anxious when he when he sees Elliot, like he's happy to see Elliot too, I think is, it comes across a little bit. But he runs to the bathroom. Elliot asks him what's wrong. And Alex says everyone's watching. And Alex goes to, and Elliot goes to leave. And I actually feel like somebody is like mature as, like, this is the part where it made me think that Elliot's maybe a little more hurt by being rejected than maybe that his self-awareness would suggest. Because like, I feel like if somebody was like super self-aware and totally understood Alex's deal, he might've stayed and like kind of talked with him a little bit, talked him down. You know what I mean? But instead he like seems so rejected and hurt that he kind of runs away. And I'm wondering if that's like a sign of the pain that he has from being rejected by his dad. I don't know. What do you all think of that? What did you make of that?
2: I like that take on it. I like it. Um, I also want to state that I think that that everyone's watching could have been done better because I think when he says everyone's watching, I think it brings him, it triggers his trauma of everyone looking at him in the bathroom.
3: Mm, mm.
2: And so if they, like, I'm not a huge fan of flashbacks, right? Mm. But this would be a point where he like just, there's like a quick cut of like him like standing in the bathroom again with the boys looking at him, Mm. right? It could have been filmed better because I do think that that's why he's stressed by everybody looking at him.
1: Yes, I completely agree. They would have been an excellent use for a little flash cut to the past, even though I also am not a huge fan of flashbacks. I will say I slightly disagree about the take on Elliot because I think, again, with him being so self-aware, by the time you're an adult, you might realize like, oh, they're not ready for Mm -hmm. this. I can't deal with that. And it seems like he has already at that point when it's like, oh, well, they asked me to come to prom. He came out to his girlfriend like he's probably ready for this. And then I think at that moment, how I took it was when he said everyone's watching was Elliot just being like, oh, yeah, this isn't happening. I'm just not even going to waste my time and leaving. Obviously, he was hurt as well, because, I mean, you have that insane chemistry with somebody. You don't want to lose that. But I again, I just thought it was him being very self-aware for a teenager.
3: Okay, Which like a, lot setting- of
1: queer, a lot of queer teens, you know, he probably did have to, he got that he kicked out of the house. He probably had to grow up very fast.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, he's setting a boundary. It. Like he's setting yeah. a
0: boundary, like he, he was not going to deal with this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, that could make sense too. Yeah. So Alex pauses briefly, but then he goes and runs after Elliot. I feel like this could have been filmed a little more epically, you know, like an epic end of an 80s movie, but it all goes by yes. very fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But he does end up grabbing um, um, Elliot in front of everyone and kisses him. And everyone's happy for him, just like everyone would have thought from this movie, except maybe that bully that we never saw again, who's apparently not at prom for some reason. And everyone um, yeah. is
1: so supportive.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, and the other thing that happens, so,
2: like, again, you know, you had would, you would talked about the fact that, like, there's not enough room for people to breathe. And, like, this is a plot piece that can't breathe because, like, he just all of a sudden makes a choice that this is going to happen. Well, what changes his mind? Like, why why did is it just Elliot leaving? Or He's like, no, I can't lose Elliot. But, again, like, we don't have any insight into what is going on in Alex's head where he decides, like, I guess where I was super stressed and I didn't even want to be gay, like, two days ago, that I'm fine with doing this in front of people.
0: Yeah, it might have worked more if they'd let it breathe a little bit and maybe he f- caught up with Elliot outside. They kissed outside or like he convinced him to kiss him outside or like he talked to him and he was like, I'm ready now. And then they maybe walked in hand in hand to prom or something.
2: I don't right. know. So he talked to his friend Claire about like his feelings. I don't know.
0: No, just, I think they yeah. should have gone straight to Elliot. But like, I think they could have staged part of it outside and then entered prom together. Maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was
1: just a very, very big jump to go from. I'm scared to be seen with you to let's make out in front of everyone.
0: Yeah,
1: this movie seems in a lot of ways like it's doing the things that Love, Simon was kind of scared to do but then at the end they ultimately just kind of end with like okay, we're going to kiss, everyone's going to be out and everyone's going to know and the entire school's going to be like, yeah you go. Once again, super
2: supportive
1: which is nice Hmm. That's a nice reality to see but I also feel like there might be, and I don't like seeing tons of gay trauma stories like It can be over. I would. I love seeing stories that don't end horribly for everybody, but also I almost wonder if there's like a danger to showing that, like, you know, because there is a lot of danger in Mm -hmm. being a queer person and a queer teenager Mm -hmm. and coming out. And because, like, even now as an adult, I would not feel comfortable just kissing someone anywhere. You don't know what people are going to do, which is just an unfortunate reality of the situation. And yeah. for someone, you know, apparently there's bullies at the school yeah. and he was so afraid of it to just jump from, I can't even be seen with you standing and talking to this while it was wonderful. And I was like, everyone's being so supportive. And I did totally end up start crying. I was just like, God damn it. Oh. I caught to my cynical heart, this movie. Uh, I'm such a sucker for romantic comedies. Um, yeah, But yeah, it's, I don't know. I just uh, had a lot of mixed feelings about it.
0: Yeah. I just – I really wanted to – I really just wanted a little more Elliot and a little more just like for this scene to be a little more like, – because there's so many mem- memorable scenes in this movie, but they are allowed to develop a little more slowly, so.
1: I just wanted so much more Elliot in this movie. Yes. I <laughs> feel <laughs> cheated and robbed.
2: <laughs> and and again, like I enjoyed this film. Like that's not to say like I didn't enjoy the film. I did. It just like as I watched it, I noticed the pieces that I'm like these – like I wish it had been better in so many ways and also hundred percent. Why did we not have more Elliot?
0: More Elliot. That's our main message. Yeah. Antonio
2: Martin. I definitely Elliot, did Elliot not more. dislike
1: it. I had a very hard time reading this on letterbox. Cause I was like, uh, I really liked it, but it definitely had a lot of flaws that I, <laughs> that were practically like glaring flaws, not just nitpicky flaws. But, um.
0: All right. So we move on to the, uh, the end of the film. Here we are. We're at the end, everyone. Okay, so Alex begins to do a video um, for his Savage Kingdom High, and it seems to be like it's supposed to be like a coming out video. Um, And then, Because then other real life coming out videos pop up on the screen until the screen is kind of filled with like, I don't know if it's dozens of them, but there are quite a few of them. And this was actually in the script from the beginning. Uh, Craig Johnson told Metro.us, they were authentic coming out videos that kids posted online, and we harvested them. It was a huge process. We reached out to hundreds and hundreds of kids who posted them online and got a response from a few. So I think that's a great concept for um, ending the movie. I don't know if it worked as well for you guys, but...
1: I liked it in the film. I have a few thoughts on... I understand how it can be helpful again with representation and seeing that you're not alone and there's other people out there. But our obsession with like this generation and the younger generations with posting every single moment online for everyone to see. I mean, you have a fight with your boyfriend, you post it on, (laughs) you video it and post it on TikTok for everybody to talk about. And again, a lot of it just speaks to what I mentioned earlier about how people feel like they're just doing things for clout half the time rather than having a sincere human emotion. It's just when I see stuff like that, it's like, oh, this moving coming out story of this person comes out to their family or whatever, and they've videoed it and posted it on TikTok or whatever. As a general rule, I tend to kind of just roll my eyes, but I will acknowledge that there are benefits to it. I just always wonder about the motivations behind it.
0: Well, I think that's a sign of like kind of the changing times. Cause I think when these first came out, they were kind of like a revolutionary act. Like, I mean, before gay marriage was legalized and like, I just like at a time when it was like harder to come out, like these were like trying to be beacons, I think, in like the darkness for people. They were, they were trying to use the internet to like really share something meaningful. And some celebrities did it too. Like, I guess YouTube launched in 2005 and Uh, the company told the Huffington Post by 2006, there were already some initial videos and like some of the early ones were celebrities too, who were coming out. And I think they were coming out as a a reason to like kind of inspire their fans and also just to be truthful with people. So I think Mm -hmm. like maybe like the way these videos are perceived now, it's because it's become so much more acceptable in a way, you know what I mean? But But at the time it was like, you were really doing something that was maybe Going to be risky for you, but it could also help other yes. people. Yeah, yeah. And, I think
1: it was a much more coming from a more pure place back in the day than now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I can't pretend to know people's motivations. Yeah, I was se, like, that's but, kind
1: of it. Might be in yeah. disingenuous of me to say. It's just it's the perception I get <laughs> sure. a lot of thing with sure. a lot of things that are posted online. And it's like, if you're coming out, shouldn't you be coming out like to people in your life or just whatever? Rather than being like, no, I'm going to make a statement and post this on TikTok to get a bunch of views. And it seems like it's not coming from a place of genuine, I want to help other people to know they're not alone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Yeah, it's really, it's changed a lot. Like um, there are different genres of coming out videos. Like the one we see in Alex Strangelove and the ones that are also on the screen are the more like direct address to camera that they're not super fancy. But like Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of become, there's other ones that are like, people doing reenactments or creative performances or like having songs playing. Um, and also these hidden camera ones where they're t- coming out to somebody and like the other person's reaction is recorded. So the, the, I feel, I feel like those latter things are maybe a little more performative than these like sitting and just talking to the camera ones, maybe. yeah. Is I that, didn't have like, a
1: problem with it in the movie. And the, like, again, the style that they were doing, And it's hard to read into it. And again, culture has changed so much with how perpetually online we are. Even earlier when Claire was Mm -hmm. mad at Alex and she instantly got on and was like, he's not on this today. He's an asshole. He's a piece of shit. I'm like, why are you talking about this on your web series? Like you just had a fight with (laughs) your boyfriend. Like that's not, I don't know. I just, I don't understand it. I'm in my thirties. It doesn't make sense to me. I did not grow up posting every, uh, I mean, I am very, very open about things online, but I also, am not going to just be like okay, I had a fight with somebody. I'm going to video it and talk about it and let people have input on this because it's not their life.
0: You know um, what? It's, it's kind of sad, but like, I might've done that. Like, had I grown up in that generation? Cause I was an early adopter on live journal and like, I have since friends locked that, but like I shared stuff about my first marriage that like was insanely personal and probably inappropriate to share at the time. Um, yeah. And like to, like it was like to a sort of a somewhat anom- anonymous audience and it wasn't like a video, but like still, like I definitely overshared on the internet when I was like in my late teens and early twenties. So and I can I, mean, I can I'll relate overshare to the on impulse. the internet.
1: It's just some things I just feel like. Why are you talking? And you know when you see like people on Facebook and they're just like,
0: my baby mama fucking
1: did this, and it's just like, are, are you not embarrassed to do this right now? Like,
0: <laughs> so yeah, I just so-
1: don't get it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're younger than us and you're, you're not getting it. So I don't know. I don't yeah. Feel like...
1: I'm a 34 going on 65 sometimes I feel like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so before we like move on from this, I just wanted to say like, um, that coming out videos, like a lot of them are released on national coming out day on October 11th. And I was really interested to what I learned about this national coming out day was started in 1988 by psychologist, Robert Eichberg and activist, Jean O'Leary. And they chose the date because it was the anniversary of the National March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights in 1987. So talk about it. Talk about a different time for gay rights right there. So they yeah, yeah they, and like of course coming out was considered to be a very powerful political um thing to do at the time like Harvey Milk was always encouraging people to come out so that like people could see that their neighbors were gay their teachers were gay their sisters and brothers were gay like just their sons and daughters just like as a way to like help people understand that like no this isn't some like abnormal weird thing this is all around you and you better learn to accept it basically So yeah, coming from a very different time to today where people are on today where people are, like you said, more on TikTok, like TikTok has really kind of taken over as the place to post a lot of this content from YouTube even now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. I love that National Coming Out Day started in 1988. That's the year I was born. One of the best years of all time. Very end of it, but it's still mine.
0: Very nice. Very nice. So you you came out in that year. So there you go. You literally yeah, came I out. Yeah, I did. Your- I came,
1: I came <laughs> out into the world in the very end of 1988.
0: Nice. So now we're going to go to our double feature recommendation section. My first double feature recommendation is going to be Edge of 17 from 1998. And the reason I chose this movie is because it has a lot of commonalities with Alex Strangelove in that it's a character, a lead character, who is kind of conflicted about having feelings for another guy. He also has a girlfriend or a girl that he's really close friends with who he becomes kind of involved with and ends up kind of hurting her in the movie. And But then, like, above and beyond the commonalities, though, this is a really, like, authentic feeling movie about coming out in a time when it's difficult to come out as gay. And it's set, like, it's set in the 80s, but it was made in 1998. And it's kind of got an Adventureland vibe because this guy starts working at this, like, kind of theme park and he meets a guy there. And it really, like, it also, like, Alex Strangelove, it goes, like, into sexuality. It's not shying away from sexuality. And actually, even more so, you actually see some nudity in this movie. Um, It is not as upbeat, like there's definitely some like dark things that happen, but there's also really like lovely things that happen, like the character ends up finding a community at this gay bar. And he ends up and he does have like a relatively happy ending. I don't want to totally spoil it, but it's not going to leave you like miserable, right? So I just I really like Edge of 17. Um, It's streaming right now, I think on one of the free services, I can't remember. I think it's Tubi. I think it's Tubi. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. It's like it's a really, and I think the late '90s were really a great time for like just telling these kinds of stories in a very honest kind of indie way. So I recommend it. Right on. Um, My first one I'm
2: going to do is 1999's election, which might seem weird, but I felt that that we have a class president, and this has a class, you know, person electing a class president. Also, I felt the feel, the color, um, the kind of the vibe of Election was something that that this movie was trying to do, especially from the beginning of it, and just didn't do it as well. So I think it was, I think watching them together. Also, I like to sometimes do a two-for-two-for movie that aren't exactly the same. They just have elements that are kind of the same. And Election, if you haven't ever heard of Election, is essentially... um, Reese Witherspoon. And who's the, who's the other person
0: who's in it? The teacher, Matthew Broderick or. Matthew Broderick, thank you. Yeah. And they're kind of going
2: head to head against, it's like a teacher dynamic where he's trying to, you know, stop her from like winning the election of class president. And they're kind of like dialogue together. I felt had a lot of the same like dialogue that this film had in it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be interesting. I would like to rewatch um, that film. Alexander Payne always has really interesting dialogue and situations, too. Yeah.
1: My first recommend would be another Netflix film, the adaptation of the Broadway musical The Prom that came out in 2020, which, ironically enough, I believe is Ryan Murphy production, <laughs> even though I hate Ryan Murphy. <laughs> And the prom is not perfect, but it is about a girl in Indiana who is a lesbian and wants to take a girl to prom, and they are trying to make that not happen legally. And so they have this fight, and it's a musical, and it's very fun, and it's based on kind of a real thing that's happened. And there is a lyric in a song that says, note to self, don't be gay in Indiana, which I think is wonderful as a gay in Indiana (laughs) <laughs> and it's just fun, and I think it would pair very well with this.
0: Nice. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe I'll maybe I'll check it out and give more views to Ryan Murphy. <laughs> I have a note on. I have a, I have a note on that. So I
2: love theater and musical theater, and I see a lot of it. I hated the New York version of the Prom when I went to see it. But I watched this in a screening with a bunch of people, and I actually thought they did a better job of the movie version. So hmm. this version I felt was better than the Broadway version I saw. Oh,
1: good. That doesn't happen often. I have not seen no, a stage so version of The Prom. All
0: right. So my second double feature recommendation is going to be The Way He Looks from 2014, which is a Brazilian film. And it's about a young uh, gay teenager who he's also um, blind in the movie. So he's dealing with like double challenges. And while this may sound like a terrible movie of the week premise, it actually isn't. It's just like all very organic in the plot. And like, you really get a whole picture of this kid's life. And he ends up uh, starting this like beautiful romance with another young boy. But of course, like he runs into difficulties and like, it doesn't all go smoothly, but it's a very beautiful, happy movie for the most part. And like, I feel like I'm doing a very poor job describing it, but like when I watched it, I just felt like, I've really seen something wonderful and something that would really like warm somebody's heart if they watched it, but it's also deep. It is a I is a good film. If you had not put it up there, I would have used it. Nice. Okay, good. Double recommended then. Yeah. Totally. It totally. would be a
1: triple recommend, but I have not watched oh. it yet. But as soon as it as soon as I became aware of this movie, it instantly went into my watch list and I just keep waiting for it to go on sale to just purchase because it looks really good. Nice. Um, so I'm glad you recommended it. That bumped it a little bit up my priority list on things that I need to get to.
0: Cool. All
2: right. So my second one is Scott Pilgrim versus the world from 2010. Now this is a movie that is like, it's it's like coming of age, but superhero kind of fantasy. And also it has, a I love the coming of age development of this. And that's kind of why I have this on the list because for a different kind of like I feel awkward and unusual, not because I'm just of my sexuality, because of everything about my life. I think that Scott Pilgrim does a good job. It also builds characters in a way that I had wished that this movie did a little bit better. And I think it's an underrated film because when it came out, everybody was like, it's going to change. It's it's amazing. Everybody wanted it. And then everybody was like fatigued and didn't actually want to see this. So I think a lot of you have probably never actually seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world and you should.
1: I have never seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world, and everyone has told me I would love it. And I you just, would. every time I look at it, I'm just like, this looks exhausting.
2: <laughs> it, it is so it is so good. And I do think it is a great doubleheader for this film.
0: Interesting. Okay. Okay.
1: So for my next one, this is going to be a weird pick, but No Hard Feelings, which is in theaters currently and comes to BOD in, I don't know when this drops, but beginning half of August, I believe. And Jennifer Lawrence and this kid in the movie, it has a lot of the same awkward energy and also has that kind of raunchy, sexy comedy that this has going on that you don't see very often anymore. And it was a delightful time in the theater. I laughed a lot. There's a lot of the same type of awkward humor. And I think they would play very well back to back. It would be a very fun night
0: nice i really want to see this actually yeah like every time i express a desire to go see this with my husband though he's like but we haven't seen spider-verse yet and i'm like oh because we always have to see whatever like the comic book movie is first i'm sure it's good i'm sure it's good but sometimes i just want to watch something different but like totally want to see this yeah my last double feature recommendation is another feature film by craig johnson um the skeleton twins and i just can't say enough good things about the skeleton twins first of all Bill Hader and Kristen wake have never been better in anything. And I'm pretty much including Barry here. Like granted he had longer oh, wow. to exist in Barry. Yeah. He had longer to exist in Barry and he maybe showed some more shades, but like, I feel like he, for a movie for just the two hours, he just goes so deep into this character and his dynamic with Kristen wake is so good here. And like, I don't always love her and everything, but she is accessing just like a, a lot of different emotions in this movie. And they're so great together. And they're playing the the title twins of the movie and they're both dealing with like depression and emotional breakdown and trying to figure out their relationships and it's very interesting like definitely if you can't watch things about suicide do not watch this movie because there's a lot of content around that but i mean if you are a depressed person who does want to watch stories about other depressed people this is a really deep uh, movie like it's very it's very moving and um there's also probably the best lip sync scene I've ever seen in any movie. And that includes Alex Strangelove. There's this amazing lip sync that Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig do at one point in the movie, a hundred percent better if you watch it in the context of the film, but even without the context, I think it would be great. And I, I, the dialogue in this movie is so interesting. The relationships are so interesting and it's a, it's a quirky film. It's like, but it's not quirky, like twee. Okay. Like Alex Strangelove can be at times. It's just like, these are generally kind of weird people. And I just love this film, and and yeah, Bill Hader also is playing a gay character, but like, it's not like that's the whole point of the movie either. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's I had never heard focus. this
1: film until you brought it up, and uh, I am a depressed person who loves watching depressed, quirky people, so it sounds <laughs> right up my alley. Need to watch. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love it. I love it
2: my third film is dating Amber and I love this film I think it's kind of a sleeper I think not enough people have seen it and dating Amber is essentially a, a a teen who's it takes place in Ireland and it's a teen who's trying to find his way through you know being gay with a family who's like no we're Catholic you don't be gay right um, there's an incredibly funny scene where like they're watching a video in school and it's like the, the nun is like don't like this is the way you don't do it when she puts her two fingers together like no penises touching she puts her hands together in circles like no vaginas touching and then she just makes like the sex symbol with like a finger going through a circle and i was like oh my god this is i'm this movie's for me and what happens is he meets a girl who is also who's a lesbian and they decide to become each other's beards but then they become very deep good friends and it's they're kind of coming out to each other and also coming out to like themselves, kind of story. It's less about the people around them, except the people around them are complete jerks all the time. But it's such a well done coming of age story that also happens to be coming of age as you're queer.
0: Yeah, I've seen this movie and I really enjoyed it too. Yeah.
1: So for my last one, I'm going to cheat because I could not narrow this down to three. <laughs> and so I'm just going to throw out two different moods if you're wanting to follow something up after Alex Strangelove with something nice and fluffy that'll just make you feel really good. Love, Simon from 2018 is just Simon's journey of self-discovery and is very, very um, sanitized, but it is very feel good. I enjoy it. It's not perfect, but it's a nice time, and you'll feel really good if you watch both of these movies back-to-back. You'll just feel all warm and fuzzy inside and think teenagers are the best. <laughs> if you want to feel a little down after, if you're more like me, uh, 2017's Call Me By Your Name, which we have talked about, really captures that feeling of first love and figuring out your sexuality, and it's so hot. And Timothy Chalamet puts in a one of the best performances I've ever seen, hands down. And definitely watch that. It is amazing. And one of my favorite experiences on film of all time. Definitely check that out. So there are my four recommendations. I'm so sorry. I don't follow rules.
0: No, I I dig it. I dig. That's a good way of not following the rules. And you were still very concise. And also, like, I can never be against somebody recommending Call Me By Your Name because I think Call Me By Your Name is amazing. And I'm a huge Luca Guadagnino fan as well, the director. So
1: I just have to add one anecdote about Call Me By Your Name. Because it's very funny, and I have to give my friend shit at any point. So after "Call Me by Your Name" came out, I was making everyone watch it. And my friend Bailey was dating this guy named Kobe, who is very precious and also um doesn't always pick up on everything. And so we're watching "Call Me by Your Name," and we're sitting there, and we were smoking a little weed. And he, <laughs> we get to the peach scene, and Kobe looks up at the TV and he says oh, no, what's he doing with that apple? And we <laughs> died. Pause the movie and we looked at him and we we're like, well, first of all, Kobe, that's clearly a peach. And second, exactly what it looks like. And <laughs> anyway, had, to, had to share that. What's he doing with that apple?
0: All right. So thank you so much for coming on our show today, Clayton. Um, can you remind people again the name of your podcast and where they might interact with you?
1: Oh, Thank you for having me. Uh, as a reminder, the podcast is at Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies. Super easy to remember. Not a mouthful at all. It's on <laughs> all the podcasting places pretty much. If it's not, email me and I will try to get it there. And we're on all the socials except for TikTok because I refuse. Again, just search Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies. You'll find it. And I am mostly on Twitter, but all my socials, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Blue Sky is all just happy to see you. Number two, letter C, letter U.
0: Nice. Again, thank you so much. And coming up in our high school uh, movies series, we are still going to be doing Grease. Um, We are still going to be doing Valley Girl. We're going to be doing a surprise movie for episode 69, which um, if you're a nerd like me, will become obvious once it comes out. And then we're going to be moving on to our LA Stories series. So keep an eye out for all of that. And thank you for listening, everybody. Goodbye. It's been a pleasure. Bye, guys.
1: Bye, everybody.